All right, Justin, A through Z. L. L. I can actually make L work. So do you want to know who is a big loser? When it comes to these Writers Guild strikes being resolved? Let's go. Friend of the podcast, Drew Barrymore. She is not having a good time. Friend of the podcast. Friend of the podcast. That's what she is officially now. Uh, Friend of the podcast, Drew Barrymore, is not having a good time now that the writer strikes have ended because the three head co-writers for her show have all refused to come back to work even though the strikes have ended. All because she was doing that bullshit of going, hey guys, I'm going to start my show back without you three fucking people because I don't need you. Now, it'll get resolved. CBS is looking for, you know, just other union writers to come on and take over the show. And nobody's going to be mad at those people for doing it. But yeah, I get it. I get why those three people are like, no, fuck you, Drew Barrymore. Fuck you. You literally said we did not matter. So I get it. But yeah, that's a fun thing. Uh, Screen Actors Guild talks are supposed to happen this week, so hopefully we get some good news out of that. Maybe they will get things figured out. Um, So something else that has happened, uh, it might have happened before we record our last episode in this episode, Um, but uh, somebody that did pass away uh, recently was uh, David uh, McCollum. Um, People that have watched NCIS might remember him as Ducky, the um, lovable guy that does all the autopsies on NCIS. Uh, He was also the Russian guy in the TV series, A Man from Uncle, and all that other stuff. But what some people might not know about that guy was that he had recorded some albums back in the 60s. And one of them, the song The Edge, is also the intro for the Dr. Dre song, the next episode. Oh, really? Yeah. That's hmm. cool. That was actually what that was the, like that's, uh, they sampled one of his songs for that. So that's, that's pretty just cool. A very weird piece of trivia. And then someone else that pa- uh, passed away is uh, actor Michael uh, Gambon. Yeah, that was sad. Most people may know him as the second Dumbledore. Mm. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, he was Dumbledore in a lot of movies. He was in uh, a TV show that I really loved called Fortitude. Um, Also in uh, a favorite movie of the podcast, Paddington 2. So. Wait, who was he in that? He uh uh he plays the Uncle Bear. Oh right. Okay. Okay. But yes. Um I mean the man's been around for ninety billion years. I don't mean that in a, I don't mean that in an as disrespectful way as it sounded. Uh but 
No, he's just he's been around forever. He's been in shit tons of things, but you can't really list everything that man has been in. Just got to kind of hit the highlights on that because we'd be here for a minute if I'm just listing things that he was in. Um, outside of that, though, you guys got any got any news or anything that I might not have brought up? I don't think so. Nah. Good. Well, that was fun. Here's our intro music. Hey, Cinefans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. I'm Sterling, and as always, I'm joined by Heather and Justin. And tonight we're going to talk about what we like, didn't like, and everything in between with the movies. You heard that right, plural. It lives inside and Saw 10 or Saw X or whatever the fuck you want to call that movie. Uh, we will go recommendations, or we will go spoiler-free recommendations, of course, and then into a more spoiler-centric section for both episodes with time codes in the description to allow you to jump around as you so require. And with all that, I, Sterling, will start the spoiler-free section for the movie It Lives Inside. It's an okay movie. Uh, it weirdly suffers from a lot of the problems that the nun two has of it gets started fairly quickly. And then it just does not do anything as far as pacing goes throughout the entire movie. It starts and then it just puts on cruise control and goes that speed. The rest of the movie where it is better than the nun two is the fact that the story itself is more compelling there's more compelling aspects to it. The, 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 the characters are more compelling. So much of it is more compelling than the nun. But it still just is one speed the whole movie, which just kind of makes it not the best viewing experience. And then you get to the end of the movie. And there's some bullshit there. That just kind of sucks. It really drags it. It drags it from being okay, pretty good, or at least good-ish. Like, you know, not the worst thing you've seen to, well, that could have been better. And the worst thing, the absolute worst thing a horror movie can do is stumble at the end. Because anything you have, anything it leads up to, anything like that, it whenever it's just, especially whenever you look at this movie like it's running a marathon. Because it's it's pacing itself like a marathon runner. It's just pace, pace, pace. We're just going to coast along, go the same pace the whole movie. And then it's like you trip on the last like fucking leg of the movie. You know, it just trips. And then it stumbles, it gets back up, and you know, it, it crosses the finish line. But... 
you're not going to sit there and talk about how that's, you know, a marathon for the ages or a movie for the ages. It's just something we watched, or at least as far as I'm concerned, it's something I watched that I don't hate that I watched it. I'm not mad that I spent time watching this movie. I'm also probably never going to talk about it again after this episode, and I'm probably never going to watch it again. I'm probably not even going to think about it ever again after this episode. And some of that's going to be a struggle because we were actually going to put this, we were going to combine it with last week's episode, but some things happened. So we, we pushed this one to this one and I'm going to struggle to remember a lot. I'm just kind of giving the broad strokes that I remember as of right this moment. Uh, Justin, what about you? What are your spoiler free thoughts about it lives inside? Yeah, I think I'm in a similar camp. Like, I didn't hate this or anything. I don't think it's a bad film. But at the same time, I struggle to say that it's a really good film, a great film. I, it's, it's definitely not that either. So I feel like... um probably somewhere in the middle, but maybe more positive than negative, but uh, it's hard to go, you know, up any further than that. And I think it is for some of the reasons that you mentioned, like, I think that in this movie, there's a really good story, a story that I did find compelling and a story that I was intrigued by. And, you know, it, it tries to tackle um, themes about the immigrant experience, and I think that that the 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 movie is is good for trying to tackle something like that. Um, we're dealing with Indian Americans, um, you know, who have come over people who have come over from India and are now um, living in America. And so there's this, there are these themes of like assimilation and displacement and trying to embrace your identity, but still also um, embrace the new environment that you're in and how confusing that whole uh, venture can be. So there are like some really good themes that, are worth mentioning that are worth seeing on the screen that are worth uh, talking about. And, and, and you do get what you feel is a lot of Indian culture and things like that. So all of that stuff, I think, I think is the good parts of this movie. However, I'm saying all of that and people listening may be wondering, wait, aren't you talking about a horror movie? And therein sort of lies the problem is like the 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 cultural stuff, the 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 drama stuff and the story sort of surrounding the the drama of these people being uh, 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 being immigrants in this America and trying to live. All of that is the good stuff. The other part, though, is that you've got this monster and this horror movie. And a lot of that doesn't, 
it doesn't completely work with the themes and the story that they have set up here. It, it almost does, but the horror elements are just not as compelling as the other storytelling elements. And I think that the film just struggles to find that balance. So you kind of wind up doing this thing where because you were not able to excel at both things, you the 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 thing that the movie isn't excelling at just feels like it sort of takes away from the other things. Like, so we can't, I guess maybe a better way to say that is like, we couldn't do a deep dive into the cultural storytelling that this was trying to do because we had to do monster stuff. But the monster stuff is just not as compelling or interesting as the cultural family story stuff that we were doing. So then the monster stuff just winds up taken away from that. So then you just wind up sort of going through this movie and just every time I thought maybe the horror elements were going to do something interesting, it just kind of didn't interest me. Like, like it just didn't get there. It, I just wasn't compelled by a lot of the horror stuff I was seeing. And then I found myself just wanting it to do more stuff with uh, the wanting to see more of the cultural stuff, wanting to see more of the connections with that, wanting to see more of the identity problems the characters were having with that. And um, and unfortunately, I couldn't get more of that because it's a horror movie. So, yeah, I've just that that's how I really feel about this movie. It, it was almost like it was two movies playing tug of war with each other and in the end both people nobody won like nobody got the rope <laughs> over the line that that's almost what it felt like it felt like there's this horror movie about this monster and then there's this cultural drama about these um these indian people trying to live in america and they just pulled against each other and at the end everything just fell down that's what it sort of felt like. And I, and I don't know if either side really won, I, I guess, you know? Um, so, which sucks because I do think I saw some potential in what this director was doing. I do think there, there are some good atmospheric moments. There, there, there's some good, there's some decent special effects. There's some solid cinematography. And there's some pretty good dialogue. There's some, not so much, but th there is some that is good and thoughtful and makes you go, huh, okay, more of that, please. But uh, but ultimately, I just don't know if this mix works, but I would like to see these this director and this storyteller, which I'll go ahead and say Bashal Dutta, is the director of this. Hopefully I'm saying that right. An Indian director. I just think he needs to pick a lane. I think he very much has potential to do like a great cultural drama or cultural story about his culture and seeing and seeing the world from that view. I think there's potential with that. The horror stuff that felt a little more 
amateurish, a little more pedestrian. That felt it felt like somebody who has watched a lot of horror is a fan of horror, but then is trying to do it and maybe doesn't quite have those skills. So all in all, that, that that's I think rounds out about how I felt. Not a terrible movie, but a movie that I think dips its hands in too many things. And ultimately, I just wonder, we didn't quite nail either thing because of that. Heather, what about you? Yeah, I think this one, it's the weird thing with this one is that it, the one of the positives I will say is that the supporting characters in this movie are on the exact same level as the main character. In my opinion, I think they all kind of, they don't necessarily fully outshine, but there are moments when they kind of outshine our main character in this. Um, But just in general, they, they're actually really pretty well-written supporting characters or just more in intriguing, interesting uh, supporting characters, which I think was it was good that they were able to make that um, a positive of this film. Um, I do think that it is a little slightly anticlimactic at the end um, of everything. And for whatever reason, for me, like the the continuous thought I've had about this film is that it just feels like a very long episode of Black Mirror to me. Um, you know, it just kind of feels like in that lane of of storytelling and things like that where, yeah, you just feel like it's sort of a extended or like a, you know, black mirror movie or something like that, just with the, the vibe that it gives off for me. So that's kind of what, what it, what I got from it when I left watching the movie. Um, I do think the performances were good. Like I don't have an issue with any of the acting performances. I think those were pretty, pretty solid across the board uh, for the most part. Um, I do think I agree with you, Jason, about like some of what they try to do, at least in the monster realm, doesn't really work. I think that it feels like the the type of the type of thing in this movie that's supposed to be scary doesn't match with what we get uh, visibly what we see with it. (laughs) And I think that was kind of a little off putting or a little bit jarring for me to see that be a little bit mismatched. Um, just not what I'm expecting from a movie about what this is about, (laughs) but, um, you know, I mean, yeah, but it does, I do agree also about like the, the story, the kind of underlying story behind it of just like the family dynamic and, um, this, this girl trying to fit in and sort of in a way kind of push aside her culture and the, kind of traditions that her culture has just because she she wants to be like everybody else around her who don't have that and that's a more interesting story I almost feel like this could have worked as like a coming of age story with a thriller aspect to it like a coming of age story where they're just kind of investigating this mystery of some you know some of the kids in their town like that would have been a cool story to do um over what we got um and and i'm a fan of everyone knows i'm a fan of scary movies and horror movies but i'm also a fan of the suspense thriller so i feel like this given the 
underlying story that they did here that was done better than the scary aspect of it, I think it would have served better to be a different genre of movie for me. So, yeah, but I mean, yeah, I, I kind of agree with both of you. Like, it wasn't a bad movie. It wasn't anything that I think is going to stand out or be memorable as far as horror movies go. Um, but it was fine. It was a fine watch. I, it didn't offend me in a sense of like, this is the most terrible thing I've ever seen, you know, but it just doesn't have anything in it that I think sets it apart fully from anything else. I think if they had gelled both the family dynamic story with the horror aspect, if they had gelled that better, I think it did have the potential to be something really unique, but they didn't really gel it the proper way for me to think it was anything super special. So yeah, um, that's, that's really all I have aside from what you guys said, but yeah, it's, it's a fine movie. It's okay. It, it Again, it's not really probably something I'm going to put on my watch list of scary movies, but I've definitely seen way worse than this for sure. Recommendations and scores. Yep. Mm-hmm. Recommendations and score. Uh, Heather, go. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, it's, this is a, this is a hard one. Like I don't not recommend it, but I don't, I don't recommend it either. Like it's unfortunate because I don't really care enough either way about this movie to not recommend or recommend. (laughs) So it kind of falls in the category of sure. If you're just looking for something in the horror genre that you haven't seen and it happens to be on. Why not give it a shot? Maybe you'll like it better than, you know, I did or we did, but it's just not one that there's nothing specific about it that I recommend, but I don't think that I, you're going to, you know, hate your life if you watch it or something. (laughs) It's just one of those movies that falls in that kind of category for me. So I don't, I don't recommend it, but I don't not recommend it. I say watch it if you feel like watching it. Um, I'll give it, I mean, it does lean a little bit more on the positive side for me than the negative. So I'll give it like a, I'll give it like a 65, um, you know, jars with demons in them out of a hundred. Justin, what about you? Yeah. Um, so I mean, for me, I'm only not going to recommend a movie if I think a movie is bad or like, you know, would just be a total waste of time watching. And I can't say that about this movie. It's, you know, of the horror movies that have come out, is it one of the higher tier ones? No, but it's not terrible. It's just in there. You know, it's kind of one of those, like, if you've seen all the other ones, you know, if you've already seen what, what did we get earlier this year? Like the evil dead. If you've seen that already, if you've seen talk to me, if you've seen what was it? The black, uh, Oh my gosh. 
Are you thinking of the black phone? Not black phone, but the one with the uh, with, with the game that they were playing. It was black. It was black. Oh, the, the blackening. Blackest. Got the it. Blackening. Yeah, I don't know why. I, thought, I, I knew black, but I was like black. I don't know why I couldn't <laughs> think of that. I thought you were the talking blackening. about. I thought you were talking about the black phone also, and I was about to say, "Oh, Justin, I'm sorry, but that came out last year, bro." Yeah, yeah. that was like last year. Yeah, <laughs> that was a while ago, bro. What you talking about? But no, the blackening, or you know, you you've already kind of ran through the upper tier ones this year, and this was the one on the list you haven't seen yet. All right. You know what I mean? It's all right. It's not bad enough to say don't watch it, but it's probably not good enough to be like, you got to see it in theaters. So, yeah, you know, stream this one. I think that's the, the, the best recommendation I could give it. Yeah, go ahead and give it a stream. If it's one of those that the, you know, you get, sometimes you get to the end of the year and you got that bag of movies that you missed or you didn't see and you're like, Oh, yeah, I kind of was interested in seeing that or something like that. You know, th- maybe this will make your list for stuff like that. And I, I just think right now these allegory monsters are just kind of all the rage. And I'm wondering if we're crossing over into a time where this is not like now we're going to start seeing a dime a dozen allegory monster things and what used to be like fresh and new and engaged. And I wonder if we're kind of getting, are we starting to arrive to a point to where this, I'm not going to say the concept is played out, but we're going to start getting just ridiculously ridiculous differences in quality when it comes to this allegory horror stuff. I'm just wondering if we uh, yeah. started to arrive um, to that point because we've had quite, because there's been quite a few allegory horror movies and this one is just like radically lower than some of the ones we tend to like, you know, but anyway, yeah. So yeah, stream the movie and I'm, I'm in a similar place with you, Heather. I had it at about a 60. So we'll go 60, um, minions living inside glass jars out of a hundred. I'm kind of there with you. Stream it. If it's on a streaming service, you have stream it. If it's not wait till it is like, and I'm 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 with you there, Justin. Like, are, are they going to start ruining the allegory horror film? Yeah, like because some of the allegory not. horror films we've gotten recently have been super good, and with this one, this one should have been one of the best because not only do you get the allegory, you know, monster movie, you get you get that cultural representation that's different that you can add to the story with and all this other stuff that just should have been so amazing. And it just never delivered completely. And it's a shame. Uh, 
I'll go with you, Justin. 60, uh, 60 terrible fucking monster teeth out of 100. Now, uh, I that- do pose the question, sorry, of if this was like giving my concept of like, oh, this feels like a Black Mirror episode. If this was a, an episode, a one-off episode of like a Twilight Zone or like a Black Mirror, do you See, think that it, you would have rated would- it higher? It would have gone, it, you would have to be Twilight Zone or a creep show or something like that. Because yeah. Black Mirror does deal more with technology. I'm not going to say exclusively technology. Yeah. But it tends to focus more on technology. Um, Maybe it is more of a Twilight Zone type I, vibe then. I don't know if I would give it a better score, though, just for the sheer fact of they would have cut out more. So would they have cut out the stuff I liked or would they have kept, you know, yeah. or would they have cut out the shit I didn't like? Like, that's the hit or miss with it. Yeah, that's you fair. Know? Okay. Like, you got to go half the time of this was. But are you going to get rid of like, it's what are you going to sacrifice? Are you going to sacrifice the monster shit that I don't like or the cultural stuff I did like? And considering it's Hollywood, that means they're probably going to cut out the cultural shit. It might be worse. Yeah. That's like the one saving grace this fucking shit movie had. Uh, yeah, I guess I'm thinking of it more as like, yeah, if we didn't cut anything out, but they would yeah. have to if it was an episode of something. Yeah. But I get what you're saying, though. It's like it it does have more of a feel of that, like that that one off show that teaches the moral lesson for every episode, but does so in that supernatural or horror or sci fi way, kind of like the Twilight Zone or Creep Show or Outer Limits or any of that stuff, but I just don't know. Like, it has those feelings with it. It's just, yeah, if you make a TV show, you got to cut something, you know? Um, Yeah. But its official Cinescore on this is a uh, 62. It did get the benefit of the rounding. I'll I'll, I'll say that much. Um, Spoilers? Yep. Yep. Spoilers. All right, Justin, what you got? Yeah. So kind of with what you were alluding to, Heather, I liked so, a lot of the characters in this. I thought that the lead character, um, Sam, Megan Suri, who plays her, d- did a pretty good job with this. You know, I, I th- th- there was no acting that I didn't like in this story. So that that's one compliment I will give it. I did like all of the actors, her, her friend, Tamira, who, which is those two characters is kind of the crux of the story being on opposite sides of the spectrum as one is kind of satiating themselves in the, 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 this dark, aspect of this monster and everything like that. And one sort of trying to run from her culture. So, I I mean, I liked all of that stuff, like the positioning of those characters being on opposite sides of the spectrum and not really sort of understanding each other's plight in a way. But then the, the story sort of kind of comes to, by the time we get to the end, they, do understand each other and they're able to work together to overcome this thing. And man, it's just think when I think about things like that, it just makes me go, man, I almost just wish this wasn't a horror film 
kind of like what you were saying, Heather, like maybe this would have just been better if it wasn't, if there was no monster and we were just dealing with these issues. Because like we've all said, this director seemed to be good about that. He had the right scenes, the conflict with the mother and the daughter. It was good conflict and it made sense that the, that that a daughter would be going through this and trying to grow up and, you know, uh, being infused with all this American culture. But then her mother being like, but don't forget about where you came from. Like all of that stuff was good stuff in here. And all of that just was so much more compelling than the monster stuff. And when we got to the monster stuff, at first it was kind of intriguing because the monster was invisible. So you're not seeing the monster. So there are times where this movie is kind of using like kind of some of the Jaws techniques, if you will, where you can't see the thing killing, but you're wondering what it looks like. You're like, oh man, it's doing this, it's doing that, it's moving, it's killing this person. And you're seeing people get ravaged and stuff like that, which that that may be another complaint that I had, like the violence and the tearing and the gore that you were hearing. You never quite it never quite matched what you saw. Like, I mean, that monster would be I mean, I would hear so much ripping and tearing and biting and eating and stuff like that. And then the the gore that we saw just felt like it wasn't enough. Like, yeah, that's true. It, it never seemed to quite match what they said the monster was doing. And I mean, like, I'm I mean, just imagine how gory it would it, it could be if you literally showed somebody being eaten by something invisible. Like you would see arms and limbs just disappearing and blood just going everywhere. Like you probably had a chance to really do some like fun, gory stuff with this. And I don't know what, what was this movie rated? Is this R or was this PG 13? PG 13. Okay. So see, you couldn't really go all the way. And I don't know. Now that I say that, I don't know. Maybe if this was R and like, you could really get super gory with this monster. Maybe it would have felt a little more volatile and maybe it would have felt a little more scary if I was just seeing somebody's, you know, torso being opened by something that's invisible or something like that. And then, you know, guts are falling out everywhere and they're being consumed by this invisible monster. I don't know. I just, I wonder if I would have liked or been more intrigued or been more intimidated or been more compelled by this monster. If I just simply saw more stuff happening and and it's weird because, you know, they were trying to do the lessons more with you not being able to see the monster, but maybe if I couldn't see the monster, but I could see the gore, I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe there would have been a common middle there. It's, it's the problem when you get into movies that have inherently violent concepts without the violence, you can do some demon shit. You can do some ghost shit. You can do that type of shit without it being violent and being a PG 13. It's real tough when it's like, Oh, 
this monster is going to bite and claw you and rip you up. Yeah. And make it PG-13. Yeah. And that's what really sucks about it. Cause like, it's not a cerebral monster. It's not a, so it, it, this is a animalistic thing that eats you. And we know how gory and violent it could be when somebody's getting eaten. Like, like we've, we've seen animals. We know what some animals can do. We've seen bear attacks. We've seen, you know, we know how, how horrible it can be to be eaten by something, something animalistic and all those teeth and stuff like that. So just not seeing it did, I think, take something away from this. And then kind of what you were saying, Sterling. So then, but, but, but you know, it, it's not failing in, 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 in the sense that you can't see this monster and it's eating these people. And there's kind of this sort of mystery surrounding it. And if you're going to do it that way, then that means when we get to the end, the payoff's got to be there. When it's time to see the monster, the the payoff, the, the and and so that's kind of a, a conundrum that this movie ran into and a problem it ultimately just couldn't solve. It, it it wasn't showing enough of the monster. We weren't seeing enough of the gore. So and it's building and it's building and it's building. And the monster is a brainless kind of demon thing. So it's not interesting in any. It's not talking. It's not planning or manipulating anybody or anything like that. So it's not interesting in those ways either. So that means that all of your stock is put into how this thing is going to look, you know, it has no other redeeming features. And I mean, (laughs) I mean, I really can't say it any other way. The mustard just kind of looks ridiculous, bro. It looks like (laughs) shit. It looks like a fucking action figure that they kind of just like sprayed some lube on to make it look shiny. It, it was just like, like, I don't know, man. It, it was just like, it just did. It looked so ridiculous. And it, it did. It, it just like you had to say it. It just wasn't scary. Like, I think I cackled a bit when I saw it. Like, I was just like, oh, like I, I just out what it is. <laughs> it looks like a wet Halloween decoration. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. wet. Yeah, Basically, it was wet, wet. Halloween decoration. It's like th- those decorations, you know, that you spend like a hundred fifty or two hundred bucks on at Spirit. Yeah, but it's still just a yep. piece of plastic. Like it still kind it of did, looks like yeah. plastic. It did feel like that, or it felt like one of those costumes where, like, maybe you got to put it together and you're supposed to put the teeth on a certain way, but whoever did the teeth, like, the parent just didn't do a good enough job, so you just have teeth dangling and hanging, and it's supposed to be, they're supposed to be all straight and look really, like, scary, like, oh, man, this thing's going to eat you. That is not what its teeth look like. Like, well, it's, it's- I just... It's like when, you know, like you were saying, like somebody's putting this together and they're like, the dad's like super proud of it. He's building everything. And then the kid who's like five is like, let me do the teeth, daddy. And the dad's like, no, you're going to ruin it. And the mom's like, Bill, let your son put the teeth on. 
let him do something. And so the son does it and it just looks all fucked up. Yeah. Like I just, I mean that, that thing needed a dentist. Like I just, I, I just, I mean, it just didn't look great guys. And so you did all this building with it and I'm holding on because I'm intrigued by the characters. I like the characters. I like the story and I like some of what you're doing. And I want to find out what happens to this, uh, to this Tamira chick. You know, I want to know, I want to find out. And then, and then, and so when we get there and, um, and Sam is, um, is in that tunnel or that house, wherever she was, where she finds Tamira in the coffin. I don't know. It's been a minute since we've seen this movie. I'm trying to remember. I think it's in the like, house. Yeah. Yeah. It's a house, right? Yes. Yeah, it's the house detail. where that guy had killed some, or the demon had killed the parents. And that's yeah. right. That that's right. Yes. Yes. So by the time we get there and it's like some stuff is happening that I'm interested in. Oh, Tamira's still alive. Okay, cool. You know, I'm like, oh, damn. Okay, cool. And so it's still building, but, but that's before we've seen the monster. And then by the time it got to the monster, I was just like, man, damn, dude. And so then I was kind of like, okay, let's just hurry up and defeat this thing and get to the happy ending. And that's sort of kind of what the movie did, you know? Um, so, yeah. And, and so because we we started so well and we, we, we sort of had a, a story that was working, a build that was working, but we just ended very poorly with that reveal and the resolution was fine for, for the family and our two and our two main characters and our friends and everything like that. You know, all of that stuff is fine. They wrapped it up in, in a little bow as best they could. Um, but man, you just wish all of it had just been a little more meaningful. You, you just wish that, that that whole monster story had come together and you just wish that it could have just been better done than this. And I do think that this movie is just a victim of trying to mix some things that maybe just didn't quite mix well. Like the allegory monster concept is a fun, interesting concept. And it is fun when it all goes together well. And I just don't know if this monster the toothful, I guess you could call him mindless beast that eats you and is invisible. I, it just doesn't quite work with the assimilation immigrant experience kind of cultural conflict storyline that we had. It just didn't all go together. I I think we needed a different monster. You know, the the wrong monster got the job. You know, the the we we gave it to him and we hired him and he just was not the right monster for this job. I think we needed a monster that better fit the themes and what we were trying to do with this story. And I just can't help but feel that way. Heather, what about you? I think for me, the biggest issue with the monster is, yeah, kind of similar to what you're saying, Justin, like this feels like a creature feature, like alien monster 
more so than like a demonic entity monster, which is what I was expecting from this movie. <laughs> like, I feel like that just would have served this, the purpose of the movie a little bit better is to have more of like the demonic entity type of monster in this. And that's just not what we got. And yeah, I kind of just remember when that happened, just being very confused. I was like, what is this? <laughs> like, What's happening? It, it just didn't match what was going on in the rest of the movie, I guess. But um, aside from that, because I do agree, I think it was the wrong monster for the job. Um, I, I honestly loved uh, Sam's parents. I think her parents were great. I think her mom was great. I think her dad was great for different reasons. I loved the type of relationship that she had with both of them. And I really actually liked the underlying story of how the mom so very much wanted to just like be close with her daughter and have those moments with her that she had with her mom. And then she just, Sam was having none of it. But when it came to her dad, she was so, it was so easy for her to talk to him and open up and they had like this really cool bond and you could see that it really made the mom sad, but it was just a very interesting story that I feel like could have really served a little bit more of a purpose in the movie. Um, but they do sort of pay it off a little bit with like her coming around to her mom with the whole, um, you know, having her help her with this, you know, monster force going on. Um, I liked her character. I did. I, I think the mom was a really good character in this movie. Um, and I also liked the teacher because I feel like there is that trope that they do have in some movies where it's like the teacher that just like really cares so much about the particular student and is like teacher's pet type of thing, you know, and, and it can be really cheesy and really just like disingenuous. I feel like in a lot of movies, but I feel like they did a good job with it here because yes, you could tell that they had like this specific bond. I don't know why like they were, she was cool with the student calling her by her first name. I think that was weird, but <laughs> Aside from that, I do like their relationship that they had. And like, it felt like an actual genuine, like teacher concerned about her student type of thing for the most part. I mean, there were some moments when it could have been done better, but I don't know. I just, I liked, I liked the, the teacher's character and I like that lady. Like, I feel like she's in a lot of like horror type stuff. Like she was the lady from get out. She was the, the house servant lady um she was I think she was also in the purge one of the purge movies she's good in that genre you know because she she has like the acting ability to actually bring like those dramatic moments into effect in a good way because she has the the range for it so I feel like her being in a movie like this helps with making it better than it could have been with any other type of actor in that role but um yeah, I, I, I did like that. I do think that the scene with the teacher sort of being haunted by the monster, I think it went on a little too long. I will say that much. I feel like that just intermixed with the whole thing going on with Sam and her mom. Like it felt like it lasted about 30 minutes. <laughs> like it just went on way longer than I think it should have gone on. Um, and just so many like slow play, like you feel like she's about to die and she's about to get it. And then it just it kind of, it became anticlimactic also because you feel like there were so many chances when that was going to happen to her 
And then it just didn't fully happen because they summoned the monster away from her. But it was just such a buildup of like what they were trying to do is tension. And it just didn't add up to anything because she didn't even die. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? And then and then also randomly for. I guess the way that they do these like kills in this movie is weird because the guy that Sam liked who he was a little bit like, I wasn't sure what to think about him at first. He had like a weird, I couldn't read him, I guess. Like I I thought for a minute he was going to like try to like play her or he was trying to like be nice for the benefit of like making fun of her or something like he got, he kind of gave off that vibe and then you realize he does actually like her. And then out of nowhere, he just randomly probably the least important supporting character dies in this like really crazy quick way like <laughs> out of nowhere well but the 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 biggest problem with that scene is the fact that like it's supposed to be like powerful it's supposed to be like oh no it's coming like it's happening it's already started to happen to her it's you know she's now going to be isolated all these things and it's like yeah it never actually feels that way nope when you're watching it you're just like oh that guy that's had a minute and a half of screen times dead. Okay. It ended up feeling like the fucker that dies at the beginning of a horror movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The first, it's the yeah. first death. It's the whole, Oh, I didn't know this guy, but Oh, the death's about to start happening. Yeah. The catalyst for the kills. Yeah. yeah basically. It's, it's, it's just the first death of many. The problem is, is that it, it's the first death of like two. Right. If that yeah. isn't he the only one? Uh, and I guess technically the yeah. I mean, in the movie, yes, because there was the boy before yeah. the movie starts. Well, but you, yeah, I think you he was see the, only one. the the boy's family burning at the very beginning of the movie. But outside of that, it's only one. Yeah. So this everyone else is just tortured or something. Soul demon. Yeah. Kills a teenager. <laughs> That's it. And that is in broad it. daylight <laughs> very quickly. <laughs> like just, I don't know. It, it's very odd. I'm not going to lie. I'm slightly more depressed about this movie now, now that I realized only one person actually dies. <laughs> it's a PG 13 movie where only one person dies. But it, yes, indeed. It's a soul demon. They're like, Oh yeah. man, this is the consumer of souls. Right. Well, cause that concept was cool about like, Oh, it feeds on you. And, you know, like that whole thing, like that part was an interesting concept, but they didn't really dive into it enough for you to be actually worried about it. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like if they had been like, no, it's going to like the, the, what was it? It was kind of like it feeds on you um, basically until you just have no soul left in you or you have nothing well, left in you. The part of it is like it has to marinate you. Like, yeah, the 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 tenderizing you thing. Yeah, yeah, it has to isolate you and make you feel alone and kill anybody that helps you. But also, why does it have to do all that? Why does it have to kill the people that are helping you to tenderize your soul? Like mm-hmm. it's also eating their souls. Why didn't it just eat yours? Well, it's while it's there. Yeah. Like, why does it need to like, you know? Yeah. Oh man, let me eat this Big Mac before I eat this marinated steak. 
Yeah, and like, if that's it's, if that's the monster's mo is like I tenderize you before I kill you, it didn't tenderize uh Mister you know boyfriend guy whoever. Like it just said, no, nah, I'm just going to kill you right here, right now, because why not? That's <laughs> what it felt like, you know, like because the the concept of that is interesting, but it's almost like you get hints of that's what's happening, but it doesn't really show you that or play into that idea that much until the mom is sort of explaining to Sam like what it's doing and why, why it's doing it was her mom explaining it, I think. Right. I think it was her mom, but um, no, it was the tech. It was the book they found or whatever. The teacher oh, found it? that oh. out. I thought, Oh, okay. Okay. I thought the mom, cause I remember yeah. saying something about tenderizing and she was trying to think of the word for it in English. That's why I thought it was her. Maybe the mom added to it. But I thought okay, she kind of like explaining more. Yeah, I think she, I thought she got the gist of the story from the teacher. And then okay. maybe she got the details of the story from the mom. Okay. And see, it's one of those where because that is a really creepy concept for like a like a uh what did you call it, Jason, where it's like an allegory monster, I guess. Yes. Like that's a really cool idea and a creepy idea for a, an allegory monster is like, no, it takes away everything and it breaks you down completely. And then it kills you like that idea is cool, but they didn't really do that well with the execution of that in this movie. Cause it just tells you, Oh, that's what's happening. You see her, you know, it, it especially when we see uh, Tamira where you're like, okay, something definitely happened to her and she's terrified, but you're not seeing the whole like, oh, she's being tenderized thing until later on. And it's almost too late at that point for you to be like, to feel the tension of what that would actually mean. You know, if somebody is being haunted by this thing, you know, like if they had maybe added it in or shown us a little bit more what it means when they're tenderizing you up to kill you, it would have felt more tension and creepier in my opinion, you know, like that would have been a way better way to go about it, I think. Um, but yeah. And then like the whole idea of at the end of the movie with Sam being like, Oh, it needs a vessel or it needs a thing to like for the, the monster to go into. And like, I just, I guess I just don't quite understand why. I mean, it didn't try to surface for a year after it was inside of her. Like, I feel like with Tamira, unless I'm misremembering it, it was pretty quickly like I have to eat all the time. You know what I mean? And then now it's like they had to wait like a year for the thing. And it didn't even resurface. I mean, you see, I like the idea that it is sort of starting to resurface, but it is it doesn't do anything for a year. Right. It was I think it was a year. So I'm like, what? what I don't understand the rules of how this monster works when it has you know, it's vessel that it's in or whatever. So that was a little confusing to me. You know, it was kind of like they were trying to do too many different things with what this monster was. You know, it's almost like they didn't have a fully realized idea of what they wanted this demon to be until, you know, the very, well, actually, no, not even at the end. You know, they they made this movie without fully realizing the villain of the movie. Well, <laughs> like, it was just not great. I think with that, I think you have the idea that when the friend was dealing with it, when it was in the jar, 
she was doing it by herself. And that she's doing it now when it's inside her with the support of people. Okay. So maybe by not being isolated, Mm -hmm. it can't get as strong. Okay. That's fair. I, uh, I didn't think about that. That's fair. Like that's what, that's the argument I would make in that instance. But it's hard to say that for sure when it is just a, oh yeah, here's a scene that takes place a year later. Because it's based around that holiday that was at the beginning of the movie. So it is roughly a year later. So it's like you get nothing during that time, you know. So that becomes like it. It's so what I'm saying is just 100% conjecture. Yeah. Because the movie doesn't show, the movie doesn't tell any of that. I'm just basing that off what I remember from the movie. (laughs) Two weeks ago. Or a week ago. Yeah. Yeah. A movie I did not like or care enough about to want to commit that much to memory. Well, I mean, I am glad you brought up that that scene at the end, though, where they're all at the table and it's like it's like this huge moment that they're building up of they're all sitting there and they're like watching her about to eat this this meat to like feed the the thing inside of her. But then she says something later to the effect of like, oh, you get used to eating it because she didn't eat meat before. And I'm like, why was it such a big special occasion for them to be around this table for this thing to happen a year later when clearly she's been doing that and eating meat and stuff like that since then to feed this thing. So why, what was this like special thing? Maybe like, that's the thing is maybe like that is still also conjecture that she's been eating meat the whole time, you know, because there's also the argument to be made that maybe with it being inside her, it's not, it was weakened and then put inside her. So maybe it took longer to get to that point. You know? Okay. It's still, once again, that's, that's 100% conjecture on my part. Like I could yeah. see that argument, but I also see your side of it. And to me, that kind of makes it all uh bullshit. Yeah. I mean, and maybe she hasn't been eating meat the whole time, but just for her to be like, Oh yeah, you kind of get used to it. You know? Like just that sort of line itself made me feel like, oh, she's been doing this for a while at this point, you know? So it was just kind of felt like, yeah, they, they do leave a lot of things sort of up in the air with anything really that has to do with how this works for her a year later. Um, but yeah, I mean, I see your point. It's just, that's from, that's what I got from just the the dialogue and the scenes that they gave me. But yeah, it was just kind of like, they made this huge deal about, you know, being there at the table with her. It almost looked like on their faces too, like they were concerned because it was like the first time they were doing it or something. That's just kind of what it looked like from the scene of like, they're all worried something's about to happen when she eats this meat or something. And then later she's like, Oh yeah, you get used to eating the meat. So I'm like, what was the special reasoning for this like (laughs) ceremony that you were doing? But again, it could also just be there was a specific ceremony that they have to do annually in general that, you know, 
I don't know, just to kind of emphasize, they just sort of emphasize it with the backdrop of, you know, this, I don't know, but it it just was confusing to me because I was like, I don't, I don't get why you're trying to build tension from this moment when your dialogue afterwards is telling me that this shouldn't have been as tense, tense of a moment. You know what I mean? So I don't know, but that's all I got. So. I have two real big complaints about this movie. One we've already gone into monster looks like shit. Shitty ass Halloween store monster. The other issue I have. And if you're listening to this episode and you're listening to the spoilers and you still haven't seen the movie because that's what you want to do, that's fine. What I'm about to say might not make as much sense, though, if you have not seen the movie. But the mother throughout the movie is shown to be rather superstitious. You know, at one point, the daughter whistles. and She's like, no, don't do that. You're going to invite evil spirits. All this shit. The mother's shown to be superstitious like that. Fine. That's a totally valid thing in this movie. But later in the movie, when she's telling her mom about the monster, she's like, but I didn't want to tell you, mom, because I was afraid you wouldn't believe me. Even though throughout the whole movie, they established the one person in this entire movie that would believe her. No (laughs) questions asked. Yeah. Was her mom. That scene happened and I wanted to check the fuck out. Wasn't her mom the one telling her the stories or no? I mean, vaguely, but they, I mean, they never told this story, you know, until the end. That's, you know, this is a very niche story, you know, for an entire like history of a culture. This one story is like a little bit niche, you know, it'd be like, you know, just being a normal Christian, but happening to know the demon Piedman, you know. As far as Christianic lore goes, yes, Piedman is one of the higher up demons or devils, however you want to look at it. He's, you know, very high on the the hierarchy of devils, but you still might not know who he is, you know. And I guess it's just because I remember them saying, hey, do you remember those stories that we used to hear as little kids? And I don't know why I thought for some reason it was the mom that was telling them, but I could be wrong. It's been a minute since I've seen the movie now, so. Yeah, I mean, maybe like that was one of those things. I, I I vaguely remember what you're talking about, but still, I mean, I don't know if that's enough to know that this specific story was told or anything like that. It's, you know, it's still just so up in the air. And honestly, everything you're saying, though, Heather, it makes it worse. You know, let's say that like what you're saying is 100% accurate. The mom was telling your stories about this specific soul eater, all this shit. That makes it worse. Right. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's why I was like, yeah, why would she not think her mom would believe her? That's like having an aunt that is constantly saying she got abducted by aliens and you feel like you were abducted by aliens. And the one person you felt like you couldn't tell was the aunt that talks about being abducted by aliens all the time. Like it makes even less sense, you know? Yeah. And so then it just makes the whole thing feel like, well, this happened because we needed conflict in the story, not because it organically 
make sense with what the characters would do, you know, and their personalities. Like, like, like you said, it doesn't make sense for her to keep that from her mother, knowing that her mother believes in all that stuff. But it makes sense for the movie because we needed conflict and we could, we didn't need to tell the mother until we, we didn't have it in the script to tell the mother till this screen. So it's happening because of the script, not because this is something that would, the characters would do. And I hate that. I hate script behavior when it doesn't match the characters and their personalities. And it happens all the time in movies. Bad movies are notorious for that bullshit. And, and, and that thing right there is a version of what I've said before of one of my biggest problem with movies. It's when they establish their, their rules, their universe, and they break them. It's a version of that. You're establishing the rules it and is. behaviors of a character to have them betray that for no reason, you know, or to it, it's that's that falls into that realm because a character's personality in a movie is dictated by the rules and universe you built and have them not doing that. Like that's the thing. And I've, I've explained this to people before because people weirdly love to give me grief for my, my absolute love of fast and the furious is five through eight. And they're like, oh, but you like those movies. I'm like, yeah, because the rules they established in this universe, they kind of stick to it. I'm fine with it. I'll accept anything. It's kind of like the John Wick movies. Most people love the John Wick movies. You know, but it's a bunch of ridiculous bullshit. No man can take the amount of damage that John Wick has taken. (laughs) It's unheard of. You know, but they establish in this universe. This is the rule. I accept it. That's fine. They don't really betray that rule. So why am I going to get mad at the movie? You know, I could not like the story. I mean, there are other things I suppose about it. Like, you know, if you don't like the story, you don't like this and that. Yeah, sure. But the easiest way for me to just disconnect from a movie and to get mad at a movie and it not be on like a personal level to where it's like, I just personally do not like your story is just break your own fucking rules. And nothing pisses me off more than that. Just for the sheer fact that it's your world. You get to make the rules. You can make whatever rules you fucking want. There are no limitations to the universe you build except what you put on it. And then when you go, fuck my universe. Like, but, but why am I going to fucking invest in anything else you're fucking doing? You're not. Why should I? And maybe in, one of the things where that comes into play is when you have power inconsistencies with like, like a hero or a, a a villain or a demon or a monster. Like when it in like in the, this movie's full of that too, where there are scenes where they turn on the lights and it makes the soul eater run away. But then he kills fucking people in the middle of the day. He kidnaps a girl in the middle of the day with all the fucking lights in the world on and the sun, you know, the brightest light of them all is just fucking on. He's just, 
just invisible walking the fuck around in the daytime. But whenever, you know, the teacher gets cornered in the hallway and they turn the light on, dis-a-fucking-peers. It's shit like that. Like, does light affect it or not? You yeah. know? And I know for you that that can be, those rules and stuff can be super annoying. And I know that you're you're always kind of the one who sniffs out those sort of inconsistencies like that. And I think for me, the ones that just annoy me the most are the character ones. It's it, it for me. It's the character ones. You you're always good about like, uh, I don't know exactly what you label it as, but like power inconsistencies or like like the inconsistencies of what this monster or thing can do. You always seem to hone in on those. And mine the rules of the, the universe. Char- yeah. And mine are the character ones. Like it was me that pointed out in none too that why would Sister Irene take along this other nun who was there and didn't believe in anything like that? Why would she take her on the quest to find this demonic nun who's killed all these other nuns? You know, like for me, it's it's the character ones that just really get me. Or like the the Demeter. A, a whole crew of people and nobody looks at any cargo boxes. Like I can't deal with it. I just can't. I just can't like when, with the characters. Yeah, I can't. But it, And I, I get it. Cause it's, it, that's just a more like, that's the micro version of my issue. Like mine yeah, is more of yeah. like a macro, the universe type of thing. And when you, yeah. when you focus that down to just the characters, I get it. Cause it drives me nuts too. I, yeah. I, I get it. It, because, yeah, the, oh, man, the Demeter. They's just walking around, and this fool's just in one box. And they go, hey, guys, let's look in every box, but not the one that's big enough to hold a person. Let's not open <laughs> that box. Man, dude, and, like, bad movies are notorious for this shit. And you're right. Whether it's you're talking about superhero stuff or whether you're talking about it's just poorly written stuff. That's just not well thought out. And like we said, it's just things, characters doing things and things happening for the sake of the script. Logic is sacrificed for the sake of us to get to point A to point B on the script. It, It just and I think sometimes writers just do that, man. And it's so cheap. It's the easy way out. It's the fold the fold the paper. I think you made that metaphor one time or that analogy one time. Fold the paper to get to A to B instead of just take, drawing the line and doing it the hard way. It's that kind of shit, you know? Yeah, and, and and with this movie, it does the horror movie trope of you turn on the lights and it goes away. We've all seen that 90 billion times. It, it happens. That's a thing in horror movies. I'll accept that. But most movies then don't go, hey, he's only allergic to artificial light. You give him that all natural UV light and he's just A-OK. Like, get the fuck out of here with that. It, You know, and the reason why they do that is because the dark is more inherently scary than the light. You know, 
And you want the false security of light. You want to be like, oh, I'm in the light. I'm going to be fine so that the demon can do some electrical fuckery and turn off your lights. You know, that's why you have that scene. It goes back to one of the things we brought up. I want to say in the nun too. There are certain reasons why certain things are in so many horror movies. It's because it's not because it's just a, a, a cliche or a tradition. It's because those focus on real human, just broad spectrum emotional points. And for a majority of humans, the majority of animals, the dark is more dangerous than the light. Now, yes, there are nocturnal creatures. There are nocturnal people that, you know, but for a vast majority of things and animals, just everything, the dark is where the danger is. Case in point, the descent. It's a big part of why that's so creepy. Yeah. The dark is the danger. Mm-hmm. And when you have something that lives in the dark and hunts in the dark, you're the one at the disadvantage. Another case in point, uh, anybody out there playing Baldur's Gate 3 or have played D&D in their life, there's a reason why when you're in a dungeon or somewhere dark, a character with dark vision has, you know, you can make better attacks and find things when you have dark vision. Because your vision is accustomed to seeing in the dark. And then you can have superior dark vision and it's even better. And then if you're just a regular ass person, you got regular ass vision. You can't hit shit in the dark. You can't find shit in the dark because it's dark. You're not built for it. Therefore, you suck at it. But that's why, because we're all humans. So yes, dark, scary. No one can, no, you know, unless you got night vision goggles, you're not seeing that well in dark. No one has, you know, dark vision. We're not running around like Vin Diesel in pitch black, seeing better in the dark, you know. And that's why they do that in horror movies, because everybody can relate. Even if you were four at the time, just being creeped out by a dark ass hallway. There's some adults that still get creeped out by some dark ass hallways, you know, it's an inherently creepy thing because you can't see. I get worrisome in some dark hallways in my own house. Not because I'm scared of anything. I don't want to accidentally step on a cat. I got six of these fuckers running around now. And most of them are dark colored. I, You know what I mean? Might not see them because I can't see in the dark. The thing that sucks is they can. So they just assume I can and they don't get out of my way. You know, that's why I have issues in the dark. You know, don't want to step on one of my little babies. I'd feel bad. That's why they do that in horror movies. And I get it. It might be tiresome and old, but at the same time, like I said, most people can relate to it, though. Also, how creepy is it if you're standing in a dark hallway, but you got some light and then it flickers and goes away? That's an inherently creepy ass fucking thing to happen. Or it's the dark, like a a very played out cliche in horror movies is when they see something in the dark, like, what is that? I I don't know what that is. You shine the light on and you're like, is my jacket. (laughs) Yeah. 
but it's also still effective. I'm never going to get mad at a horror movie for doing that, even if it's cliche as fuck. Why? Because we've all had that. You've all missed seeing something in the dark. You know, one of my favorite versions of that is in the movie Arachnophobia, when Jeff Bridges is lying in bed. He's like, oh, no, is that a gigantic spider on my wall? Uh, uh, throws a shoe at it. It was a code hook. But the light, the way the light was catching it, it made it look like a spider. You know, shadows play tricks with your mind. So I get why they did that in this movie. Those were somewhat effective when she's lying in bed and looks in her closet and the glowing ass eyes fucking staring at her. Now, that wasn't her misinterpreting anything. No, that was demon fuck things staring at her from the closet. But it's scary. I get it. That's effective. Teacher running down the hallway. Lights coming off. Lights turning on. You know, but like, you know, it gives her the false sense of security when she's in the light. But then the light starts going away. So that security blanket of the light she had is being torn away. It doesn't matter because she's out, you know, in a lit fucking room. Take it out. What's the point? Why are you doing these scenes then if it don't matter? That means you're doing those scenes just for the sake of doing them. You're not doing them for the psychological reasons. You're just doing them because I guess you suppose you have to. Like you said, Justin, doing scenes just to do some scenes. You know, I would much rather you try to get from A to B, drawing the fucking line on a piece of paper, even if you fucking stumble a little bit, even if you fail a little bit, that's way more admirable than just taking the fucking easy way out and doing some fucking shortcut shit. And that's the thing about this movie, is it kind of tried. It, it tried, I think, when it was a little bit easier they tried. But when things got a little bit dicey or they would actually have to really think about, like they wrote themselves into a corner and they'd have to figure out a way to write themselves back out. That's when they would kind of just go. And then this happens. Oh, okay. One of my favorite things I've ever heard is about uh writer producer, Terry Gilliam. Uh, pretty well known for writing on the X-Files, but super well known for being the creator of Breaking Bad. Apparently one thing he loves to do when he writes is he loves writing himself into corners because apparently the way his mind works is there is nothing more fun than figuring out how to get the fuck out of that corner. Interesting. Hmm. I like that. That's pretty cool. cool. I like that. Yeah, because what happens? You no longer become afraid of writing yourself into a corner. When you embrace the idea of, oh, I'm in a corner. Let me figure out how the fuck I'm going to get out of this. That's fun. Then you you become way more free when you write. Because you're never afraid of the corner. You know, and especially if you're like him, which might make him a writing psychopath. That he goes intentionally goes, I'm going to find that fucking corner 
and I'm going to run the fuck into it just to figure out a way out. I mean, yeah, with lesser writers, it could go really badly where it's just like, oh, now your show just sucks because you don't have a good way to get out of this corner. (laughs) Well, also, though, but like how much control over your writing do you have to have to intentionally do that? Yeah, that's to true. intentionally write yeah. yourself into a corner. That is a mastery of narrative. Even if you only succeed 50% of the time when you do that, like getting into the corner and getting out, I'm not going to lie. I've watched enough movie and TV shows. You're better than most writers. Even if you only succeed at 50% of that, you're better than most writers. Because most writers can't do that at all. You can always tell these writers that write themselves into a corner and then their way of getting out of it is to convenience themselves the, like themselves back out of it. What a really solid example of that, the movie Prometheus. Because they get to this planet and they breathe some shit in and then they go, ah oh, man, we breathed some shit in but you're also fucking people going to a planet and you're not wearing fucking helmets. I'm sorry. That's not Prometheus. That's alien covenant. I confuse the two. They're very similar. Uh, Alien covenant. They go to the planet and they're just like, ah, it's got oxygen. Let's fucking walk around with no helmets. Oh no. We breathed some shit in, which is the worst corner to write yourselves into because the corner they wrote themselves into is that they're on the fucking alien planet without helmets. That's the corner they wrote themselves fucking into. How the fuck do you write yourself into that corner? Like, that's weirdly, they wrote themselves into a convenient corner because that's how the whole movie takes place. And I think that kind of makes it worse because the, the, the reason why I guess that makes me mad is because If you are actual scientists and you're going to a planet and you go, this is a foreign planet. It doesn't matter if there's oxygen or not. There's still unknown bacterium, fungi, plant spores, you know, the shit that actually infects them. You would go, nah, we still need to wear our helmets. Because, you know, alien shit. We can't go places on this planet without getting vaccinations before we go. Because we understand just inherently going to places that you are not accustomed to gets like increases the likelihood that you might get diseases. These go to a whole fucking planet and go, nah, we don't need no masks. That's the corner they wrote themselves into to allow their movie to happen because they were not capable of thinking a better way to just get the fucking story of their, their movie out there. And then, and that's what this movie does in micro doses. It's not as bad as that, but they do that just to justify some scenes, you know, I mean, it's a cool looking scene when that kid's just sitting there on the swing set and he's getting torn up by Ghost Dog. It's visually cool. But it doesn't make sense in the movie. 
you know, it's a cool looking scene. Whenever what's her name? Sam runs off to get the, the teacher for help. And then uh, was her name? Tamara. She gets ghost dog yeah. kidnapped in the middle of the daylight in the lit ass fucking hallway. That's a cool looking scene though. It just is weirdly ruined by, I don't know, the ghost being a dark ghost later in the movie. Like, it's, it never lines up. Anyway, that's all I have to fucking say about this. We went way longer than I thought we would about this fucking movie. This movie is so fucking mid. How the fuck did we go like an hour and a half on it? Jesus Christ. (laughs) Guys, what the next one? Yeah. Yeah. Just to recap, we are now going to talk about what we liked, didn't like, and everything in between with the new movie, Saw X. We will go spoiler-free recommendations scores and end into a more spoiler-centric section. Once again, still, I'm including time codes for this section, too. We're not going to go, hey, it's a free-for-all for Saw X. Time codes with this one. With all that, Heather, what are your spoiler-free thoughts about Saw 10? Man, hard transition. <laughs> um, Smooth transition. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Hard in the that sense of like butter smooth. Chain, it, no, it's it's more the the transition of like how very differently I feel. I guess about these movies. I don't know, <laughs> but um, I'm I'm jealous of you. Maybe not very differently, but just they're very different movies. And yeah, anyways, um, I actually mostly enjoyed this one, um, which is something I haven't said about a Saw movie in a very long time. Uh, I think, I mean, I honestly, I, I would definitely put it as like, I honestly think it's probably, it w- it's probably top three, I would say. I mean, in my opinion, but that's mostly because I think that the through story of this one is so much more interesting than most of the other movies. Um, they actually have a very specific storyline pretty much from the beginning um, of, of the reasoning behind Jigsaw's game this time and what happened there and it, it feeling like a much more personal reasoning than any of the other ones. And I think the way that they do the story with it and like the, I, I don't know. I feel like it felt more earned, I guess, like are not, not that the torturing was earned, but like you feel like you understand more in this movie, why he's doing what he's doing than the others. Um, even though obviously not justified, but you, you feel like you're getting a little bit more personal insight into Jigsaw. And I don't like, know, Heather. I think you were saying torture is justified. Deep down, that's what I meant. Yes, I very much, yes, very much enjoy that. <laughs> um, Yay, you torture. Heard, you heard it Yay here. Yay for torture. Heather loves torture. Yes. Mm-hmm. Ooh, do yes. I need to change the ending of, of this episode to be Heather is pro-torture? Pro-torture, <laughs> baby. Pro-torture. Oh, no. Wait, suggested. Um, you're on for pro-torture, but not pro-naked. <laughs> No, I was just trying to support her. I'm just, it's more support. (laughs) 
Thanks, Jason. This fucking guy. <laughs> support my friends and their interests and what they like and what they support. <laughs> Just remember that later in this episode. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> oh, no. Uh-oh. Um, <laughs> But, yeah, I think that I, I like the fact that we're seeing a little bit more of a personal story for Jigsaw. Um, Tobin Bell is honestly just the, the nobody else could be jigsaw the way that he is i really love what he does there and, and he does it really well here too and even more so here because he's in this one more but yeah i think that it the through story of this one interested me more than a lot of the other ones because it's on a more personal level um i probably probably the fact that there was less of the torturing in this one <laughs> It was a little bit easier for me to get through it because as much as I find the the plot of what they're doing with these movies interesting, um, I am not so much actually very good with all of the torture. <laughs> I'm actually very much not able. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. Wait, I know. <laughs> are you breaking your own rules? Are you yes. breaking the character rules you've already established in this episode, Heather, by saying you're pro torture? And now you're like, oh, like torture. I feel like you established the rule. I didn't <laughs> establish the rule. Hey, that's what you were saying. I read nope. between the lines. Mm. Yes. Well, all that being said, I um, this movie is hard to watch at points, obviously. Um there were some certain certain moments of some of the traps that I just it really it was very difficult to get through. Um, yeah. And, and I just I think that the the characters of this one, I, I enjoyed sort of their I guess like their uh, how they were written, I guess, because, you know, you have characters that you feel are. Yeah, they definitely are people who don't care about anybody else, but then you have the people that are their circumstance and their situation, put them in the position that they were in and just things like that, where it just, it feels like they had a lot of, uh, dynamic character, not dynamic, but dynamics in the different types of characters that they had in this film. Um, yeah, I mean, I do think there's some inconsistencies and some things in it that I just really like, think could have been done better for sure but i mean as far as rewatchable saw movies goes this is probably more up there than most for me um yeah i I think it it definitely has in a way like redeemed some of the other ones that were way worse right before this one um but again not a perfect film definitely like just I will have some spoilers that we talk about of things that I just didn't really, that didn't gel with me. But I mean, you, you can't knock Tobin Bell for his performance and it was fantastic. So (laughs) that I feel like you have to do like just his demeanor, his, the way that he approaches being jigsaw is really fascinating because he has like these subtleties about him that just make him so good at being this creepy, terrible, unassuming villain. If you didn't know him, 
if you knew him out of context, he just seems so unassuming and just not somebody you'd ever think to be this person, but also playing that very psychopathic person very well at the same time. He just does it in a really great way where he just toes that line of both so well. And he is the reason that any of these Saw movies are really that interesting, if I'm honest. So, yeah, it was it was pretty good as far as Saw movies go. I'll say that much. Justin, what about you? Yeah, I thought it was pretty good, too, Heather. I think it was pretty tight. Um, I, I enjoyed it. Um, I think, shoot, if you ask me, it's the best one since the first one. And, <laughs> um, and I don't know if I'm, and, and probably if you catch me on the right day, story-wise, execution-wise, and stuff like that, I, you might even be able to argue it's better than the first one in some respects. But the, but, uh, but, but yeah, I would at least say. It's probably the best saw I've seen since the first one. Now, let me like taper that with I kind of I'm not what I what you would call like a huge fan of saw or anything like that. I I, I saw the first two and, and I like them an OK amount. You know, the first one I think is good. The second one was a dip in quality, but I was kind of like, OK, you know, I still for the most part I think liked it more than I didn't like it and then by the time it gets to the third one and the fourth one I was kind of out you know I was out for a minute and then it just went there were all these other movies and I kept hearing bad things about them and then um when Spiral came out because it had a different casting and they 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 sort of they tricked me on that they, they acted like it was going to kind of be this new direction and we're going to do some interesting things and Chris Rock is going to be in. He's taking on a more serious role. And there were just things in it that I found out about going in that intrigued me a little bit. So I was like, okay, let's see if this really is something. Are we really going to try to do something different with this? And then that was a disappointment. So honestly, going into this, I had just the lowest expectations. And maybe that might also have helped me enjoy this more because I just went in with such low expectations, just yeah. almost expecting this to just be another mediocre affair. Um, What I liked about this, I think, is that they made a lot of what I think were smart decisions. Rather than making this about these apprentices or these detectives or these people who are continuing the legacy of Jigsaw, rather than it being a continuation of Spiral and us, you know, back revisiting some of those characters or anything like that, I liked it was very it was a very intelligent decision in my opinion to strip all of that away for a bit and let's just go back to jigsaw and that first original apprentice amanda i think that that was just a good decision like let's just go back to 
the 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 two people who were probably two of the more compelling people that this was about originally and centering this around a story. And so, and we didn't go all the way back to the beginning. He was jigsaw. This is kind of like a between point in some of the movies where he's jigsaw. He's got Amanda's the apprentice and we're, and, 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 and we're there, but, but none of these other events have occurred yet. So we're kind of in a, from what my understanding is, this has to take place between one and two. Yeah, I was about to say, like, it, it felt more but in between those two specifically because of just where we were. He had done the first thing, but we hadn't quite done any of the other stuff yet. We hadn't had the 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 Amanda stuff, which is in the second movie. So, yeah, I think that's right on point. But I think that that was kind of smart because then you don't have to worry about all these interweaving things you didn't have to worry about. Well, do I remember what, whose apprentice is what and what this person did in the fifth movie versus what this person did in the sixth movie? I like how this just said, fuck all that noise. Let's just go back to the shit that, that people really liked in the first place. So that was a, an incredibly smart decision. And I think just centering this around Jigsaw and letting Tobin Bell do his thing as John Kramer and it being more of a personal story about him being wronged. And so in a way, this is almost a revenge movie. It's almost kind of a revenge movie, but Jigsaw is the revenger. And I liked it, man. I dug that. I dug kind of what, we did with this man. And I think also um, I get what you're saying, Heather, when you said that it's not as big on the torture as the other movies, it definitely takes its time getting to the traps and, and, and all of that kind of stuff. You know, there's a lot of story that happens before we really get to the sawing and, and, and stuff like that. Um, and I think that might be off-putting for some people, especially if you're used to these movies and it's just being trap after trap after trap. You know, a lot of the uh, uh, kind of those n- newer Saw movies that came down the pike, you know, the, there's some of them are like, you know, it just felt like there was a trap or somebody getting tortured or killed or whatever or doing a test every five minutes. This one doesn't do that. It it, it 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 tells the story. It sets up everything. It, it it really kind of gets to me. It did a good job of making me compelled to see this jigsaw story and where he was at this time and how desperate he is to try to get these cancer treatments and everything like that. It took its time really establishing that so that by the time we got to the torture and stuff and the test and the jigsaw stuff, I was ready for it. I, I was I was salivating for it. And then when it does do that stuff, I think it delivers. I liked a lot of these traps. I liked what these scenarios that he sort of forced some of these victims to do. I liked the gore. It, you know, I talked about there being a lack of gore in the other movie we, we watched. This one hit the spot, man. I think it was just the right amount of gore. You know, whether I was seeing 
eyeballs get suctioned or somebody literally sawing their, their, you know, their leg off or whatever the case may be. I think that this hit the nail on the head with the gore and, and overall, does the entire story make sense? Probably not, but it makes more sense than some of the other ones I've seen, you know, did, did everything come together perfectly um, like it should was the, you know, you got to have that sort of jigsaw uh-oh thing you didn't see coming at the end. Does it work as good as well as him standing up off the floor when you thought he was a dead body in the first movie? No, the ending doesn't hit like that. But I don't know if anything ever will. That's one of the greatest endings and reveals in cinema history. So uh, it, it didn't it didn't hit like that hit, which may be the first movie's main argument that why of why it's better than this. But just about everything else, the story, the gore, the fact that we got more that this story centers around Jigsaw and Amanda, characters that we like, characters that people I think really have a fandom for. And we got back to the bare bones of what this is and Ultimately, I liked putting Jigsaw in this sort of revenge tale story. This all, most of this worked for me. And man, it was so much better than a lot of these later Saw movies. And it was definitely better than the last Saw movie we got, which was Spiral. So yeah, I I had a lot of fun with this. I enjoyed this. And man, I, I, I'll even say this, like, I saw a really late um, showing of this and man, I was tired. I had had a long day. I was like, man, am I even going to stay awake during this? But the movie grabbed me right away and it was intriguing and it was fun. And I was like, Ooh, that had to hurt whenever we got to the gore and everything like that. So, and in the end I was like, all right. You know, all right. And there was a little, even a little mid credit scene, you know, and that was all okay. You know, it was whatever. And I was like, all right, you know, all right. You know, good job with this. Much better than some of the other efforts that we've seen. I was very prepared for this movie. Maybe a little too prepared. This past weekend... I watched 10 fucking Saw movies. And that's because there are 10 Saw movies. I watched all of them. So I could come in here and definitively say where this one fits in. I do disagree with you, Justin. I don't think it's the best one since the first. I think Saw 2 is very solid. I do agree that it might be a dip in quality. I think some aspects of it are better in quality than the first one. First one, if anybody doesn't know, had a very low budget and a very short time frame in which to film. Very, very constrained in multiple ways. Uh, Which also just kind of makes it that much better. Plus, like Justin said, that ending. The ending of the first Saw movie is downright iconic. Uh, I thought the second one did a very good job. I really dug the 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 surprise ending of the second one. I like the I like the story of the third one. 
I don't think the third one's bad. I like the the, the morality and the dichotomies of storylines it shows in that movie. And then you get Saul's four through nine. They are all garbage. They are all unique special pieces of garbage because they are all garbage in their own special snowflake kind of ways. But nonetheless, they are still all garbage. All of them. They are all terrible. They're all a bunch of nonsense. They're all a bunch of, hey, do you remember the scene from the other movie? Oh, we're going to reference that scene, but tie it into this scene. And it's all this interwoven tapestry of just sawrific bullshit. And then Saw 10 comes along. I would put Saw 10 probably closer to Saw 3 in quality. Where I think this movie benefits more than others is I think points both of you have brought up. I think this is this may be the most cohesive Saw movie when it comes to just telling a narrative. This might be the best one when it comes to just telling a story instead of telling part of a story, but then going, hey, but remember this other story? And then, you know, like interweaving a bunch of stories. This one just tells a story. And in doing so is probably more, you know, like I said, this might be the best overall story of a Saw movie. But at, at its heart, what, what are Saw movies? It's the crazy kill shit. And this movie does get a little messy with that. This movie also still goes into the salt trap of we got to do a twist ending. And this one's a little bit weak when it comes to that. I thought the twist at the end was a duh type of ending. And when you're a franchise known for fucking killing people in unique ways and delivering a twist ending, and those are the two weakest aspects of your movie. It kind of becomes a point of where does that then fit in with this? And like I said, I kind of put it with the third one. And uh, there's something you brought up, Heather. Oh, man. This where this movie succeeds more than every other Saw movie out there is, oh man, all, all the Tobin Bell you could ever want. And if you're thinking to yourself, do I really want some Tobin Bell? You do. You just don't know it. Cause he is fantastic in this movie. And it kind of shit like shits on all the other Saw movies in that regard of, you were depriving me of this much Tobin Bell the, this whole time. You got hints of Tobin Bell here and there. I mean, you barely got any in the first one. But the movie succeeds nonetheless. You get some more hints of some Tobin Bell. You get some glimmers of Tobin Bell in the second. You get a little bit more in the third. And then you just get glimpses of Tobin Bell for the rest of the franchise. And this movie right here shows you why this Saw franchise... Fucked you as a moviegoer. Yeah. By denying you Tobin Bell. Because it's also the fact that even in those glimmers that we get of him, it's still like the most intriguing part about the movies. Well, in all the parts of Tobin Bell you get throughout the franchise, 
he shows he is a great jigsaw. He is perfect for jigsaw. This movie shows you that maybe Jigsaw should have been a fucking main character. Because Tobin has the chops to be a main guy in a movie. I was thinking going, I mean, while it is slightly weird that he looks 20 years older than he did the first time you saw him as Jigsaw. And it takes place around the same time. Yes, that's a little weird. Same with Amanda. It doesn't necessarily hold up in that regard. But this man is 80 fucking one years old. And he puts this movie on his fucking shoulders and fucking carries it to be better than what? Three fifths of the rest of this fucking franchise? This man has it. I'm also now kind of slightly mad at Hollywood. Why didn't I get more Tobin Bell in some fucking movies? <laughs> Why was he just creepy criminal guy in the fucking background of some movies? Also, as much as, you know, Sterling does exaggerate about ages, he actually is 81 years old. I was looking that up earlier this week, too. I'm like, how old is this man? He's legitimately 81 years old. Yeah. Yes. I wasn't lying. Oh. He is a not spry. He, you know, he's an 81. He's a spry-ish 81. You know, if I was as mobile and, you know, coherent as he was at 81, yeah, I'll feel like I succeeded at some shit. What, what, What the fuck has Hollywood been doing? This man, he can fucking act. He can carry a movie. You're telling me you don't need a guy that like can fucking do shit. He he, he had all the emotions. He, he could showed be every Vincent em- D'Onofrio level villain great in every movie if they would have let him. Like, yeah, you know, you know, he had it. And he's fucking eighty one, and they finally go, let's let him be the main character of a fucking movie now. That's all on you, Saw franchise. That's all on you. You had this. You had this man in your franchise, and it took you ten movies to finally go. Ah, let him be the main guy in one of these. I guess we owe him that. He's made us just stupid amounts of money. Let's give him one. But like I said, I I, I thought the traps were rather weak. And I thought that one of the things about the Saw franchise, well, the traps are a unique thing and all this other stuff. And I mean, you know, to quote Heather, you know, torturing people's cool. But I do think outside of the first movie, none of them actually really adhere to the whole idea of rehabilitating somebody to have a new lease on life. You know, you have some of the traps that are intentionally designed to be inescapable and they are designed to kill. But that's considered a negative thing in this universe. And that was one of the bad saws. You know, that was one of the bad jigsaw acolytes, if you will, that would do things like that. But 
the first movie is one of the few I feel like truly adheres to the idea that you can survive this and be changed. Because in this movie more so, or because in the, that movie more so than all the others, he, they're not like making you kill someone to learn a lesson. In so many of the Saw movies, it becomes a, you have to save this other person from dying or do this to make them die or whatever. And as much as you want to use that whole, I don't kill people. Nah, you kind of killing people in that regard. When your trap is designed to kill someone to further it, you, you're, you're, you are killing people, you know, like that's what you are doing. You are setting up the machinations to cause somebody else to murder someone else. Legally speaking, that is still murder. You are still a murderer. And like Saw, like three through nine all do that. They all do that shit. Um, two a little bit less so, but still kind of. But one doesn't. One is one of the few where I truly feel they actually adhere to the spirit of the do this. And while it might suck, it might hurt, it might be torture you can come through it with a new lease on life. Which is really funny when you look at the Amanda character. Because of all the characters in any of the movies, her trap was utterly the weakest. She had a bear trap thing on her face, which, yes, would suck if it went off. But she just had to dig around inside a guy. She didn't have to hurt herself or cut herself or, you know, disfigure herself to get it. She just had to, to put her hands inside a guy's stomach, which don't get me wrong, is psychologically fucked up. But physically, nah, not that bad. And then she becomes the most hardcore saw disciple. She didn't do shit. Homeboy in the first movie had to cut his fucking foot off. And go through the psychological torture of his family being kidnapped and threatened to be murdered. She had to dig around some guts. Come on. That's weak sauce. But anyway. I I, I think that this one kind of adheres to that. Or kind of still strays away from that. Where these traps aren't these traps are designed for the movie goer, not to further the plot or the motto or creed or lifestyle in which Jigsaw applies. Because those are two different things. At this point in the franchise, 10 movies in, nah, Jigsaw's just straight up torturing people. He's not trying to change lives. He's just straight up torturing fucking people. There's no, you know... There's no leeway in that at this point. And I think that this movie once again showcases that aspect of it. And that's something I find disappointing in this franchise. Uh, recommendations and scores? Yep. Yep. Recommendations and scores. Uh, Justin, go. Yeah, it's a recommend for me, dog. Like I said, I thought it was tight. Um, I think um, 
honestly, if you like any of the other ones, I just really don't see how you don't like this one. I mean, it's just, it's those, but it has a lot of the same shit. It has the gore, it has the traps. It's got all of that, but it's just a better told story, like we've all said. And I mean, I just think that that just automatically makes it better than a lot of these other ones because it's easier to follow. It's 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 got more focused. It felt more focused. It doesn't feel as messy. It doesn't feel all over the place where you got to remember ten billion characters and who did what and the flashback within the flashback within the flashback to understand what's happening today. Like, fuck all that dog. Like this is just, just use some common sense. You just tell us a cohesive, simple story where I, where the character's journey has some relatability and I can understand what he's doing and why he's doing it. And to me, those building blocks and fundamentals and basics of movie making is what give this movie its quality. They they just got away from all that messy shit and finally just made a damn movie. And it's about damn time. It's about damn time. And we finally just had a character that the character that this whole thing is supposed to center around. We got to spend some time with him and this mission was way more personal. So I was okay with how he conducted business at this. It was way more personal. These people did some shit to him. Like I said, there's a revenge movie element to this that is not in some of the other uh, Saw movies to this degree. So this felt a little more personal. This felt a little more like, volatile but it was a little more relatable because i felt like i would have been mad too if what happened to me happened to john kramer well i think so i think why i have a specific issue with that and i just want to bring this up because that's specifically what you're talking about is in one of the other saw movies i want to say six he specifically says you have to take revenge out of it you have to take like the heart like yourself out of it we don't do this for us we do this to save them you know, and as bullshitty and like, you know, if you want to say, let's not count those movies. I actually think that that's fair. They're, they're too shitty to care. But I think, but with how I viewed everything, you know what I mean? When I got the full scope of Saul's one through 10, that's why I disagree with that because that directly contradicts another movie in that regard. And like something yeah. from his own principles. I see that. But just you saying that it's from six, it could also be argued that maybe the character hadn't arrived to that point yet. This is between one and two. So maybe by the time we're at what we were hearing in six, the character maybe hadn't arrived to it. Or maybe this was, like I said, a little different because something happened to him directly. So maybe, the, you know, to where he felt like, nah, fuck these fools. I'm going to, uh, we, we, we going to get them. They going to get a chance, but eh, I'm kind of hoping they don't make it out of these because of what they did to me. So I don't know. I'm cool with it. I'm cool with it. You know, everybody's got a plan till you get punched in the mouth and he got punched in the mouth a little bit. So we saw a little bit of different jigsaw. 
uh, to quote a little Mike Tyson there. So I was cool with this shit. I liked it all. I mean, so yeah, I would say if you enjoy those, I don't know how you're not going to enjoy a better version of those movies. Cause it is in just about every conceivable way. It is better than those movies. The acting is better. The story is better. It's got the same gory traps. And I mean, there's been a million saw traps at this point. How do you even rank them? How do you determine if it's a good or bad one? I mean, it's just people getting killed, bloody. They You either get out of the trap or you don't at this point. You know, so you can't just have a movie based on just that. I need more shit than that. I've seen all that other shit 80 times. Let's let's tell a story that I can get behind and connect to and understand and actually feel something for. And that's what this movie did. So if you like me, if the, you're that kind of movie goer, I think you'll appreciate this shit just up and down. So, yeah, I, I, I really liked it, man. It, it It's to me, it is definitely the best one since the first one. And the only thing I think the first one might have over it is it's got a better ending. It's got a better surprise ending than this one. But that, I don't know, that might be about the only thing it has over this. I mean, I like the story better in this one. I liked um, the use of John Kramer more in this one. I mean, I don't know, man. When I start making my list and checking off, this checks off a lot of boxes for me. So, yeah, I really enjoyed it, and I recommend it. I recommend you go see it. And it was good to see in the movie theater. I think with the sounds and the the blood and the bones crunching and hearing other people react to what they're seeing on the screen, I think all of that was good stuff that enhanced the experience. Yeah, you could watch this at home, but... I don't know, man. You'll be all right if you watch it at home, but I don't think it'll quite be the same as experiencing it with in the theater with people. You know, I think that that kind of made this more fun too. So with all that being said, we'll go. I, I, I think it's good enough to give a B. We'll go 80. Let's see. We'll, we'll go 80. Um, damn, I'm like, what trap reference do I want to make? Because there were a lot of good ones. And we'll, we'll, go, we'll go 80 eye-sucking good times <laughs> out of 100. Heather, what about you? Yeah, I recommend it with the same caveat that I do of with all of these movies that you really have to be able to stomach the the torture that they give you and all of those things. So I feel like if you, if you can handle it and you're okay with the gore and you're okay with the torture and all of those things. Um, and if you, obviously if you've seen the other ones, yeah, this is going to be a, one of the, it's a better quality of those movies because as we've all said, the story here is better. The story here is more cohesive and it's just a better story. I actually almost feel like this could have been an entire prequel, like even before the first saw, because I could see this being like the catalyst event that set him off to even want to do these 
traps in the first place, you know? So I feel like it could have even just been pre a prequel to all of the Saw movies, you know? But um, I'm not mad that they did it how they did, but it would just, as far as like motivation goes for why he got on this path of doing this, I feel like this motivation for that would make sense if this was like the first one that he did and everything. But, um, but yeah, I mean, the fact that they put it between the first and second is completely fine. Um, I also am just to kind of talk about the other movies, like, I'm actually, I've always kind of been partial to the second movie. Um, I think that one's probably my personal favorite one. And I, I think it's because, I mean, I mean, the ending of the first one is absolutely iconic. Like you, you can't get better than that with an ending of a movie with something like that. Like it, it's an absolutely iconic movie. But I think in the second one, I think I liked that there were more characters involved and more like a character dynamics that you kind of have to work through. And it was kind of like, not really a maze situation, but kind of um, kind of like an escape room type of situation for them. And I kind of liked that aspect of the second movie. So I think that, and I do also like the twists in the, in the end of that one as well. So I've always been kind of partial to the second movie, um, but again, this is up there. I mean, I do think this is like, if, if I'm ordering the movies as far as like rewatchability for me, I'm going to go two, one, uh, two, one, 10 for me. So it, it's, it's up there. It's, it's good. As far as storyline goes, I do think it's the, it's the best story that we get from saw. It's the best storyline, I think, hands down, um, but yeah, and again, Tobin Bell's acting is incredible and all of that. So yeah, it's it's going to be one of your better in the franchise of movies. But again, you, you got to be able to stomach the things that they do, which is just really hard to do. So, um, but at least at least for me. But yeah, I think um, yeah, I, I mean, I'll recommend it. Like it, they they do some some good things with this movie, and I really enjoyed the storyline of it. Um, I'm going to go a little bit lower than you just because in general with these movies, um, I like, I don't usually like the way I feel after I leave a Saw movie. (laughs) I usually leave there feeling like I feel disgusting. I feel like I've been in this grimy, grungy warehouse with them for hours and it just I just feel gross after these movies but that's really kind of the only reason I go a little bit lower but um I'm gonna give it I I guess I'll go with like a I'll give it like a 73 um mentions of the phrase drug cocktail out of a hundred Man, they were saying that word like they were fucking endorsed by Big Drug Cocktail. Jesus right. Christ. <laughs> like, I'm just like, there's other ways you could say that, but it was like that was just the only way that they ever explained that. And I'm like, this is so rehearsed, guys. Come on, get it together. Um, There are things in this movie that cue you in that it where it takes place in the timeline. Um, one of the facts is like, Amanda's face is no longer bruised because it's bruised in the first movie because she had recently escaped the trap. It's not bruised in this. That's how you do know it takes place after the first movie timeline wise. Um, 
and stuff like that. But it technically, I guess, takes place after some aspects of the movie Jigsaw, which I'll get more into later. Uh, But with all of that, I like the story. I like Tobin Bell. I think the traps were a little weak. I don't like the reasoning behind the traps. Because some of those things that I'll bring up later, Justin, I think still refute the idea that he learned his lessons in this movie and that's why he changed. And I don't like the ending. I think the ending is very weak for this movie. And when that's the hallmark of your franchise, I think that that cheapens it a little bit. I'm not going terribly less than you guys, but I am going less. I'm going to give this a 70. Uh, Oh, what do I want? A 70 watts. You know what? 70 Tobin Bells is a badass out of 100. Uh, So with all that, our Cinescore for this movie is a 74. Spoilers? Yeah. Yep. Spoilers! So one of the things with this movie that I was referring to just a second ago, um, in the movie Jigsaw, the man, the the doctor that, like, was labeling his x-rays that showed he had a tumor, uh that got mislabeled. So he didn't find out he had brain cancer until way later when it was too late. That's one of the guys that jigsaw forgives and brings up that it's not about personal shit. And that takes place before this movie. And that's, that's in jigsaw, which is the eighth movie. So that's one reason why I disagree with that. He learned his lesson in this. Um, But also one of the things I I really didn't like about one of the traps was that bone marrow trap. I really disagreed with that in spirit. Just for the sheer fact that she got like 2.99 ounces of bone marrow. And they're like, nope, gotta die. Like... Yep. That seems like a weird arbitrary rule to me. Agreed. And I, yeah. I, I, I might seem like it's nitpicking and all that other stuff, but I think in the spirit of what Jigsaw does, in the spirit of do this to change your life, do this to learn a lesson and be reborn, do this to learn, you know, all these things, that fit, that happened. She showed she had the will to live, you know, what, if the, what yep. if the pump wasn't working properly and that's why she didn't get it? That has nothing to do with her. That has everything to do with you, Jigsaw. Like, I don't like that in the spirit of what the saws, the, the, the traps are supposed to represent. Because she got yep. that. I don't like the brain removal, like slight lobotomy trap. Because if the whole idea is to give them an opportunity to live... And to be reborn anew and have a new lease on life, 
and to do all those things. There's so many things that can go wrong when you perform brain surgery with a neurosurgeon and you're asking Billy Bob fuck guy to do it and to learn a lesson from it. No, he has more of a chance of just dying from that than your trap, not even from your trap, just dying from the fact that he's cutting shit out of his own brain. What lesson are you learning from that? I think that that's disingenuous and goes against the spirit of what Jigsaw represents or is supposed to represent. I know the movies have already kind of proven that this is not something he actually represents and they just, you know, more or less kill people anyway. And I'm talking about him. I'm talking about John Kramer. I'm not even talking about the other disciples. I'm talking about shit he's done. Now he's all about killing some motherfuckers too, regardless of what he says. I think that the radiation fucking trap is a disingenuous trap for the same reason. He, you can't expose somebody to radiation to the point to where they're burning their skin and go, nah, they survived. They can go to a hospital. No, motherfucker. They have radiation poison. They're dying anyway also. It didn't matter if she got to a hospital or not. She was dead. She might have technically been alive. It was a matter of time. She had radiation poisoning. She was going to die. You can't have radiation as a part of one of your traps and then say, you've got a chance to live with a new lease on life. No, you are radiating somebody. You can't necessarily come back from that. She is dead. Once again, that goes against the spirit of what the jigsaw traps are supposed to represent. I will say this, the pipe bomb trap that he gives to the, the, the cab driver, that's legit. Might be slightly mangled, might need some physical therapy. But legitimately, you could probably live from that and rehabilitate and have a new lease on life. I, I think that one's legit. But then also, once again, you go to the, 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 the last trap, which was the gas room. No, you're saying somebody has to murder somebody to do that. But I don't, but you're like, oh, but I don't kill people. No, you, you did kill somebody. You legitimately made killing somebody a part of your trap. That is the same as murdering somebody, John Kramer. You don't get to keep saying that. That's what you did. You did some murder. You know, and I get, Justin, that it might be more, this might be the most justified He's been, if he, if he is just straight up murdering these people, this is the most justified he can be with it. In all of the Saul movies, these might be the most justified of the murders that he commits. Because he does commit a lot of murders. Fuck what he says. But I'm just going based on the spirit of Jigsaw that we're supposed to have gotten through nine movies. You can't count Spiral for that because it's not a Jigsaw movie, even though it's a Saul movie. Can't count it because it technically has nothing to do with Kramer outside of Kramer existed in this universe and had died. I just really found that a lot of weird that it was, they, they, they gave just so much lip service to the idea that these were jigsaw traps when not, nah, these were just some murder machinations, which might make this the most honest of the Saw movies. Because these were just murder machinations. And like you said, Justin, it's, it's, a, it's a 
revenge movie. I don't even think, I, I don't think it's a hint of revenge. I think it is straight up a revenge movie, but that's what I'm saying is they still try to put it in the wrappings of a Saw movie. The wrappings of there's a chance you can live. There's a chance you can redeem yourself. And that's where I find the disingenuousness of what this movie is presenting itself as and what it's actually doing. I think those are two different things. If you wanted to present it as, nah, Jigsaw is just going to go fuck these people up. I think you don't have the disingenuousness and therefore I wouldn't have the issues I am having. You know, because then you can maybe present it where he's acting like he's doing the jigsaw stuff where you might live afterwards. But then it's like, he's like, yep, you have a chance to live. Do you value your life? Then he puts his hand over the microphone and talks to me and he goes, I'm killing all these motherfuckers. Okay. I get because that's what you did in this movie. I'm just saying you presented as jigsaw. That's not technically what we got with this. I have issues with that. Because I am trying to uphold the morality of this mass murdering psychopathic fuck that I've been told exists for nine movies. I'm holding to the legend of Jigsaw, regardless of whether or not that's what they're giving me. But the end. I thought that that was very weak with the whole reveal of oh, the trap wasn't really the trap that you thought you trapped me in. The trap was really the trap that I trapped you in after you thought you trapped me in this trap. Well, duh. Like, and and I I felt slightly insulted that they had to explain that in the movie when when the character had to go, wait, if only one person was left, why was that trap for two people? Then it's all... Then it tries to do the saw music like it's the like it's the same iconic ending from the first one. It starts doing that. Like like they just were revealing the most mysterious secret ending of all. It's like no shit. But it's also the fact that like they said it, but they were just like, oh, well, like they shouldn't have known they need to be concerned if they had that revealed to them that like, oh, damn. okay something's off here. Like they just were like, Oh, okay, well, whatever. (laughs) Like, and it's almost like the movie then tried to present itself as like, but the twist was, it wasn't supposed to involve the little boy. No shit. No shit. The little boy wasn't supposed to be involved in this. Duh. It was meant for him and Amanda. It was not meant for little boy. I like, I just, I thought it was so fucking weak. Like of all the shitty twist endings that this franchise has given us. And I'm talking Saw 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, and 9. Because they all have spectacularly shitty endings. I thought this was the weakest of all of them. Because it was the most obvious that what they were specifically going for. Where you can maybe redeem it is that some of the other twist endings just don't make any fucking sense. Like you're not guessing them not because they were smart. You're not guessing them because they're that fucking dumb and they're that out of left field. I thought it was weak that this one was guessable because it's just that obvious. 
And that really bugged me too. But man, Tobin Bell is really fucking good. <laughs> Still really dug that. And I, I do agree with you, Justin. The overall story in this is it is the best. It is, it is a cohesive narrative. It is not mind-numbingly complicated for no fucking reason. Like, I think that that's what the Saw movies at a certain point devolved into because they were afraid if they just presented a movie that was straightforward and gave you a twist at the end that that wouldn't be enough. That they had to, like, add more twists throughout the movie because everybody was expecting twist endings. But it just devolves into a mess. I remember when I first saw Saw 5 in theaters. And it's all, oh, yeah, the detective, he's actually a Saw. And I was like, and at that moment is when I realized I never saw Saw 4. Never saw it. So this detective character was brand new to me, essentially. I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? But apparently he's a Saw. I missed the whole reveal that he was a Saw. I missed the whole reveal of his character because technically he's in like 30 seconds of Saw 3, but still. I missed all of that. And was revealed to me in Saw uh, 5. And it still didn't change a damn thing in that movie. Like, that's how weak their twists are at that point. When I find out something, I missed a whole fucking movie that you're referencing constantly, but you're referencing it so fucking much throughout Saw 5, it did not matter that I hadn't seen it because then I wouldn't watch Saw 4. I was like, oh, I guess I missed this. And went, oh, all the pertinent information I needed, you flash back to in 5. And then you see Saw 6, and it flashes back to Saw 3, 2, 4, 1. Like... It just keeps flashing back. I'm like, you are making seeing any of your other movies before this one unnecessary. Anybody can go to a Saw movie at this point and just watch it, even if they've never seen anything before, because any information you need, they will flash back to in the in the de- exact moment you need it. They don't even flash back to it at some point and then maybe reveal what it tied into later. Nope. It goes, oh, this thing flashback. Now it all makes sense again. It's a fucking mess. And that's what all the movies do at a certain point. And this one didn't really do that. And this one doesn't have any flashbacks in it, does it? Outside of like flashbacks to earlier yeah, in so. the movie. Mm-hmm. No, I don't like think it, so. I don't think so. Yeah, it flashes, you know, it does. It flashes back to like, I think said points whenever it's like, oh, this is, you know, when it's got a character in the trap and then it flashes back to them as it, when they were doing doctor office shit. You like know. revealing, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just making sure you remember what character this is from earlier in the movie. I, I'll accept that. That's fine. Because it's still or like a reveal, yeah, of like something that he said that you're like, oh, that's why he said that. Or, you know, they do a little bit of that. But yeah. yeah. That's- but I think they did that with one of the characters. The girl that cuts her thigh. I think like before when it like when it revealed her in the trap, I think it flashed back to her as the nurse. You know, like things like that. That's fine if you're referencing your own movie, because all you're doing is making sure like, hey, this was this person. Just to be clear why we're going to fuck them up. This was remember, this was specifically that. So that's all fair. 
Uh, I guess that's all I'll talk about with all that. Justin, what about you? Yeah, so, I mean, the the thing that stood out most to me with this movie is just that, I, I, and I alluded to it earlier when we were talking, but I just like the fact that it took its time kind of developing this story and this cancer-curing <laughs> drug cocktail scam that was being ran on him. I love that it went through all of that from him at the doctor's office to him running into that guy and this guy telling him about this miracle cure and all of that kind of stuff. And, you know, um, Kramer going, oh, you know, let me contact this person. And I love how it just went through that so well and and you could see and and I mean Tobin Bell was just doing such great acting just the hope that he had that this would work and how he you could just tell that he was just under the spell of these people and everything like that when when all of that went down and the realization that he had been hoodwinked and all of that happened I mean for me all of this movie works as a revenge movie. And I think if you look at it that way, pretty much all of it works like, um, so that kind of felt like at the beginning of a movie when, you know, the, the, the Punisher's wife and son gets killed or the, the, you know, the, the, the revenge, the thing the the big thing happens to the person who's going to take revenge. And then after he gathers himself and uses his set of skills, now he's going to get back this group of people that wronged him. And to me, that's what this was. I don't think that this can really be looked at per se, like a lot of the other Saw movies, because it just wasn't crafted like those, you know, this is kind of different entirely because it really is more of a sort of, it follows the plot of a revenge plot. So for me, the reason why, even though I will agree that the ending is not as strong as something like Saw 1 and maybe even Saw 2 with the Amanda reveal. But I think the reason why I didn't have that much of a problem with the ending is because what other twist was there going to be other than how is Jigsaw going to get these two people that think they got him? I don't know what the uh, what the answer was going to be. You know, what other twist well, was possibility was there? It was either he was going to wind up trapping them or they were going to win either the, the, the bad guys in this case, the, the, the doctor and the boyfriend, either they were going to win or Jigsaw and Amanda were going to win. So the only question was how are Jigsaw and Amanda, how are they going to get out of this? How are they going to pull a fast one over on these people? And that's what we got. I mean, I, I, I knew what the destination was. We knew that this took place between Saw 1 and 2. So we knew Jigsaw was going to survive. We knew that Amanda and Jigsaw weren't going to die. So 
I mean, I don't really know what what else they could have done other than just some different way we would have trapped the the doctor and the boyfriend. But I well, think that still you needed that end result was inevitable. You know, well, he, even the reveal of the boyfriend, though, too, to me was obvious because, you know, nobody has their throat operated on. It can just talk the next day. Just super fine talking, you know, and then even if you didn't catch it, then the fact that he goes through the surgery and then they put him up somewhere outside of the doctor's office. Whereas the throat guy was getting his checkups done in the doctor's office. You know what I mean? Like the, the, they gave that away too, you know, like to me, like very early on, like, so like, that's what I'm saying is even that reveal was weak because of what they had done. You know what I mean? So like that being weak led to it being weak with the, you know, Amanda and Jake's all having to trick them into getting, you know what I mean? It was like a chain reaction of weakness that all culminated at the end to me, at least. Okay. Okay. Um, I get some of that. And it's just all in how you interpret that. Were they giving you clues so you could figure that out yourself or was it bad storytelling because it's weak? You know, I mean, I don't know. It's not a debate I'm trying to have with you. I'm just kind of telling you why I felt like it worked for me, no, you no, know, because I, I no, I was, I was saying that just cause I wanted to say, I, I do agree with you that yes, you had to have something to where Amanda and Jigsaw won, you know, you had to have that. I do agree with you on that. I, and I think it was because, and I wanted to clarify that about the boyfriend part of it too, I guess, because it, that in my head was then like, Oh, I guess I didn't explain that part of it to where that's why like that being, you know, weak or maybe, you know, just being a clear or whatever and figuring it out too early. It led to that just being a weaker ending to me because of the weak twist that led up to that. You know what I mean? I was mm. like, I wanted to explain myself better in that context. Cause I do agree with you that yes, no matter what, that's how the ending had to happen. Cause you needed Jigsaw and Amanda to win or otherwise none of the other movies happen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think in the sense and why it really works for me, or I guess why I wasn't so as upset as you is because in a revenge tale, that is usually what you get at the end. Revenge tales are all about how does the revenger get the final revenge on the one who concocted the whole plan and everything like that. And sometimes our revenger looks to be in peril but somehow it's a aha got you moment and the revenger gets the people who we are revenging against. So in the confines of that and in the confines of that story totally works that that's the way we did things here. It just, it just fits for the type of story that um, this was, but Still, but like both of you said, like Tobin Bell, I just really enjoyed everything about really getting an in-depth story with him. So I even love that scene where the guy is about to steal, um, where he's in the hospital and the guy is about to um, steal the 
the the the the watch or whatever from that patient. And he starts imagining this elaborate trap and what he could put this guy in and what he was going to put this guy through and everything like that. I loved that scene just because it really, because that's a side of the character that we haven't seen. And that makes him even more scary because then you get to understand how remarkably fast this all comes to him. Like, you got to think about that for a second. He's watching this person about to steal this watch. And before the watch is even stolen, he has already conceptualized, concocted, and imagined and envisioned how this torture, this torture device for this specific person. That's how quick it happens. And that is freaking scary, you know? I am glad you brought that up because you are absolutely right on that. That is probably the coolest scene in this movie in my eyes when it comes to just looking at the psychology of John Kramer. You know, that was a very cool aspect in developing the character of John Kramer or, you know, and all this other stuff. And it's weird that this is the 10th movie and we're getting character development on a guy that's yeah. been in the franchise for eight of those movies, you're getting character development. And now and just think about how much cooler some of the other Saw movies would have been if they gave us that tidbit of information in Saw 2. Yeah. Yeah. Like just imagine, I swear, man, like <laughs> I wish, I hope that they go back and do another movie where somebody even if you just did an interview style saw movie where he's just talking about how he conceptualized these things and where he got these ideas and the point that he knew he was going to make this trap for Amanda or this trap for somebody, or that's like a saw memoir. Maybe that would make a better book. Like uh, a memoir of this motherfucker would just be phenomenal. It would be a phenomenal read, you know? Or a TV miniseries or something of just showing him like planning the traps that you've seen in earlier movies or something. Or even like I kind of like the idea of you have the interview, but you can't have that because, of you know, he died and technically saw. Yeah, too bad. Yeah, unfortunately, you could have you could have a movie of him sitting around and talking to the Saw disciples of, you know, Amanda, the detective, the guy from Jigsaw and, you know, the Carrie Yule's character. Cause he becomes a, you know what I mean? Him just sitting there talking to his disciples, like, like this is how we do it. And like explaining the code of being a jigsaw to these people whilst showing that aspect of his mind while he's doing it. Like, look, if you see somebody doing this, this is what you do. And then you do a saw trap, but it's just him to actually in, in the context of the movie, he's just talking to these people. But as we watch it, 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 it does like this where it just shows it happen. Yeah. That that would be cool. Because then you could get all the violence of the saw traps, but then get, you know, a narrative. Because we've gotten like in 10 movies, (laughs) we've gotten a total of 2.5 stories. (laughs) That's true. Yeah. I also like, though, that like it's cool that seeing that perspective of John, like it also fits with what his... Um, occupation is too right he's a civil engineer he's an architect like somebody that's 
in his brain, like, you know, like he's thinking of these things, like for things he's going to create right in his, in his job. So it kind of fits too that he could so quickly think of something creative like that, you know, cause it goes to his psychopathic nature, but also to his creative nature too, because of what his job is and the logistics that go into that with creativity, but also the, the practicality of like, okay, how do I make this actually work? So I think that that's cool that that sort of plays into what his job is as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. Oh, go ahead. Well, I just, I hate the fact that they made him a civil engineer though, because civil engineers deal with the planning of cities, you know, traffic patterns, buildings, well, like in all this other stuff, like not mechanical engineering. I think that that's what they wanted Mm. to make him was a mechanical engineer, but some guy was just like, oh, let's use the fancy version of that, a civil engineer. Those are two different things. Not, not to say that they don't share some yeah, mindsets. But, you know, that's like saying like a fucking, you know, oh, a chef and a fucking engineer are the same thing because they both make shit. It's not. They might use some of the same parts of the brain and this and that. Or uh, a better example would be straight up chemistry or baking. While baking is essentially chemistry and you rely on chemistry, you're not doing the same things with it. They, you know, there's some commonalities, but is it really like is a baker using, you know, chemical formulas like a fucking chemist is? No. You know, so like they're, they're two separate things. And I think that that's what's driven me nuts about all the Saw movies is they're like, oh, he's a civil engineer. Okay, that's not, he's in practice a mechanical engineer. Yeah, you're probably totally on point with that. Somebody probably just made a mistake and it was too late. It was like, they were like, shit, we got to go with this now. Yeah, they put that in fucking like Saw 2 and then they're like (laughs) Saw 10. Somebody's like, you do know those are two different things, right? They're like, it's too late now, dude. We established this shit fucking eight movies ago. We got to keep it going. They somehow yeah. randomly care about continuity at that fucking point, but. Yeah, way too late at this point. But not only does that scene, and there's a, re, a specific reason why I said that that encapsulated how scary he is, because make no mistake about it, this guy was just stealing a watch. Do we really need to concoct a death machine and put this person in a machine just for stealing a watch. But the fact that he thought about that in seconds and thought about putting this person in a moral teaching torture device over a watch also kind of shows how like batshit crazy he is also. So I think that's the thing about this and like, I mean, I commend you for being all on the the moral codes of him and uh, wanting these movies to follow his moral code and stuff like that. To me, I always saw Jigsaw as kind of like a walking contradiction. Like, that's what makes him fun. He's putting you in these traps and stuff like that and saying that you have a chance to redeem yourself and stuff like that. and 
all of this kind of stuff. But the truth is, any of these traps could have gone wrong. You could cut off your foot and die from shock or a heart attack or something like that. You That could easily happen. There is no trap in any of these Saw movies where somebody is maiming themselves or being put through this intense stress or anything like that, that guarantees they're going to live. You know, any of these things, any of these traps could go wrong at any time and this person could be killed. And the and, and this whole thing of, well, you're, I'm giving you a choice. Well, yeah, you're giving them a choice, all right. But it's a very limited number of choices. You do this thing or you die. You're still forcing them like there's no moral, like a person's just going to do what they do to survive. And if you do what you do to survive, uh, uh, survival and learning lessons, sometimes those things don't go hand in hand. Sometimes, I mean, so from the get go, I thought this whole thing, his ideology is flawed because the things you do for survival can sometimes not always learn you a moral lesson. Sometimes survival is super morally gray and morality sometimes doesn't always involve survival. You know, those are two very completely different types of schools of thought and ideologies and things like that. And they don't always coincide with something learning a lesson, you know. Well, that's a very good point because it's the whole idea of like, if somebody dies and you're stranded in the wilderness, is it morally or okay to eat them? You know, it's that type of principle when it comes to these things. And I think this kind of just shows a flaw to something we talked about earlier in my own logic, in my own head. When it comes to me wanting to put the saw morality to all of these things, even though the movies contradict it, is my aspect of wanting to follow the rules that you established in your own fucking cinematic universe. You got to make these rules. Yeah. That's how much I want to do it. And that's why I want movies to do it is you told me that's what the rules are. And damn it, I'm going to apply that to all your fucking shit then, because that's what you told me. The, and I, and it is a flaw, I guess with sometimes how I mentally perceive things with these movies too, because I will mentally interject the rules you've established Sometimes ignoring the fact that you've also established within your movies that the rules don't matter. That yeah. Mentally, I, I, will, I will I will interject that onto the movie, even though, like you said, Justin, and that's a very solid point that I guess I didn't consider. There's nothing about the Saw universe that hasn't said it's a contradiction. In fact, more often than what it, them following the rules, they are telling me and showing me it's a contradiction. The Saw universe has actually established more of what you said, but I'm kind of holding on to the first movie a little bit too much when going, nope, that's the rules and you're just breaking the rules, guys. Like, that's a flaw. And I, I think it's funny that we talked about that's what I do. And then I've and firstly just forced that upon this franchise through 10 movies. But I get where you're coming from. But, but, but on some level, there, there, there has to be some of what you're talking about, because while the ideology of the killer of Jigsaw is flawed, you know, and it's a contradiction. He believes it. And maybe that's the 
problem that you're having. So when you come across something where it doesn't seem like he's operating in that belief, maybe that's the crux of your problem is that you want him. The behaviors are matching what this character is supposed to believe. I don't know. Maybe that's more in the lines of what your hangup is. And what I'm saying is, is that I'm just kind of saying it's all bullshit anyway. Like he can't, he can't possibly, even if he believes that his belief is kind of bullshit, but I get what you're saying though. I get what you're saying though. You just want character. It's it's it because it, it's back to what I said. My hangup is with a lot of these movies. It's the character consistency. The character believes this, therefore the character needs to operate a certain way. And I just don't. And I think you feel that he isn't always operating within the beliefs that this that the movie set up that he is supposed to believe. If that makes sense. Yeah, I think it's funny that we weirdly were able to bring that back in both movies. But 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 yeah, so I guess that's why, like for me, I guess I didn't. That's why I just didn't take it as heavily as you, because I always looked at him as just this very he's a cool character, but he's like any good villain where there is some where where there is some logic and there is some like on some level you could agree with it. You know, I'm doing these horrible things to, but really I want to reform people. I'm trying to help people. He says that all the time. I'm trying to help people and stuff like that. But the flaw is, is that the methodology is wrong. What he wants is a good thing to help people to help people rehabilitate, to, to teach people lessons, to make them a better person. Those are all good things to want, but the method, but what makes it, but what makes a great villain is, is not the, the, the ideals of the motivations per se. It's the methodology. That's why Thanos is wrong because, <laughs> because yes, everybody should have resources, but we don't need to commit genocide to have them. That's why Killmonger's wrong. Yes, black people should be liberated, but we don't need to kill all the white people to liberate us. You know, that's that's why. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's the methodology that makes you a villain, not the ideals. The ideals are we need to understand the ideals, but disagree with your methodology, and that is jigsaw in a nutshell. But what made this fun for me was that you he was sort of to use a wrestler term, he was the baby face in this movie. We took him and made him the baby face because he got screwed over by these people. And this sort of felt like, like I said, I just go back to the whole revenge tale concept. This felt like a oh, y'all done fucked with the wrong man. God, movie. It was one of those. It was like, oh my God, these people are going to get it. And I can't wait to see how they get it. Well, and so that's what made this fun for me. They weirdly John Wicked Jigsaw. They like, did, didn't they? They just accidentally the, fucked yeah. with the wrong guy. They did what they, they always did. do, and they did it to the wrong person. They did the first John Wick movie as a, a Saw movie. 
They really did. Like they, they, they did the, it, it was like that, the equivalent of killing his dog, except they made him think that he had killed his cancer and he didn't. Oh man. And so I was just like, oh my God, these people are going to get it. They are in for it. So people were dying, but man, I, I knew they were good. I mean, I was cool with it, man. I was cool with it. I wasn't sitting there going, man, but this is not really what he would do. I was like, man, I kind of liked it, man. I like this fool just being mad and angry and putting these people in these almost impossible scenarios and your ass is getting radiated. It didn't even feel like the same, like, caring jigsaw this kind of felt like jigsaw with a little bit of anger like yeah i'm gonna give you a chance but fuck you still though that's what the traps felt like to me <laughs> i i kind of get that it's like yeah you're gonna get a chance but fuck your chance <laughs> yeah like man like nah man you made this man think that his cancer was gone man you you and took all that money you're gonna have to pay man so to me this was like glorious shit. And I guess that's why I enjoyed it a little more than you for um, those reasons. Um, And and so, yeah, I talked about the ending and all that stuff. Um, So, yeah, I I don't know. I think that's it, Heather. I'll let you go. But yeah, that's why I enjoyed this. It just felt like such, I won't say a complete abandonment because they did retain some of the stuff from the other saws, but it felt like a, a little bit of a change from how we position this character and how we, and how this character operates. And I liked kind of how fresh this approach felt with Jigsaw. And I, I, I do agree with that, Justin, because it was fresh that, you know, we got an actual Jigsaw movie. Why is this one Saw 10, but Jigsaw wasn't? You you named one Jigsaw, and it wasn't even about Jigsaw, but then you do Saw 10. Like, why couldn't that have just been Saw 8 and this be Jigsaw? That makes maybe way they, more sense. Maybe they knew, like, the Jigsaw name, like, that movie didn't do well, probably. So they were like, don't make it another Jigsaw, because we might not get as many people to watch it as we would <sighs> for another Saw movie. I don't know. Maybe, but go ahead and keep going, Heather. Um, I mean, and I do, I do like the point that you guys brought up about like, especially the scene with the guy that was about to steal the watch too, because yeah, I mean, if he's thinking of that just for, for that situation, you're just kind of like, well, what is your actual moral code? Like, we know you have something, there's some kind of standard that you've set for what you think is, you know, worthy of one of your traps or whatever, but like, what is that standard? You know what I mean? It's like, is it just anybody that you perceive doing a wrong thing of any kind on any level? Or is it, you know what I mean? It just, it feels like very arbitrary if, if that's the case, like that this doesn't actually mean to you what we said in the first movie that these things mean to you if, you know, but it, and it could also just be that you know, oh, the temptation to just do a trap because I don't like what he did, but he's not going to actually do it. It could be that as well. But just the idea that he can think of it in his mind regardless. 
you know. Oh, I think he would have. <laughs> I, I think he totally he probably would, would have. That's where I lean too. But um, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it, it, it's pull that dude to the side and talk to him, man. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just, right. Just, right. It, I think it would have been funny if you pulled him aside and go, "Motherfucker, I'm Jake Saul. I've already thought about how I'm going to kill you. Just put the fucking watch back. Don't right. make me do what I want to do." Um, right. But to comment specifically on what you were saying, Heather, it's a it's a fallacy that we've actually grown to accept in American culture, all thanks to Batman. Because it's the moral code that Batman has. You steal a watch, he's going to break your jaw. You rob a bank, he's going to break your jaw. If you murder somebody, he's going to break your jaw. It doesn't fucking matter what you do crime-wise, motherfucking Batman's going to break your jaw. You pay your water bill too late, he's going to fucking come there and tell you you're stealing from the water company and he's going right. to break your damn jaw. Yeah. Like it's 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 that logic of no matter what the crime is, I'm going to fucking do something that's grossly, you know, way too much. Now like yes, sometimes what the villains do in Batman, they deserve their jaw broken. Sometimes they deserve more than that. But it don't matter. You could just steal somebody's wallet that fell on the ground. You didn't actually even steal the person's wallet. They don't even know their wallet's missing yet. He's going to come up to you and break your fucking jaw, though. <laughs> yep. No, you're right. Yep. You're right. It, it's, it's, that, it's that weird fallacy that we've just come to expect when it comes to vigilante justice in yeah. American pop culture. That doesn't matter the crime. He's going to get whoever the vigilantes is justice. Yeah. It, I don't know why, but for some reason, the, one of the first things that popped in my mind was uh, the movie Dogma with uh, Matt Damon, where he's like, he kills like that room full of people. <laughs> and then he, he almost lets the girl go. And then he's like, but you didn't say God bless you when I sneezed and he was about to kill her anyway. Like, it's kind of like that concept of like, oh, OK, yeah. never mind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's that it's that kind of Old Testament thing. It's like it don't matter since sin. He's going to get some wrath of God. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know why that's what I thought of. But yeah, no, you're right. It's it's the same thing. Like that's, that's a very deep pull, Heather. <laughs> because yeah, you went yeah. way back on that. You one. can't yeah. even stream or digitally buy dogma. <laughs> like dogma on Blu-ray is a hot commodity. And it's yeah. all because the Weinsteins own it. Mm. And it's not, it wasn't like even a part of the Weinstein company. It's they straight up financed it. Mm. So they owned yeah. it. And that's why it's in weird limbo. Okay. Because nobody can yeah. do shit with it. Cause you know, the Weinsteins are a toxic name. Right. No, that's, yeah, yeah that's fair. That's, that's from that Child Heather library. Cause Child Heather likes it's, all the Child cool Heather stuff. was tight. It's, remember? Yeah. Child Heather has dogma references and chicken sticks. Yeah. That's Where all you, you need to be surviving in my world as a kid. Yeah. Uh, but like, uh, yeah. So I, I don't know. I just feel like, yeah, you're kind of like, I get, I get the, what he, I understand what his mentality is with like that aspect, but what is your moral code? Like we don't really really fully know what that is and it can change you know based on your mood who knows like who who really actually knows but um i mean i think one thing i will say though that like 
And, and and I will admit that I actually did not watch the trailer for this movie before watching it. So if there was anything about like the the plot of his revenge in that, I did not see it. Um. Oh, that's all the trailer is for this movie. Okay. The trailer goes, hey, John's going to get his cancer cured. Uh, they tricked him and he saws the fuck out of him. Okay. That's the trailer for the movie. Yeah. <laughs> and And you know what? I guess I'm kind of glad that I didn't see it then because then I had a little bit more of a surprise element of what was going on with it, you know, but, and I guess I, (laughs) because my first thought was how super shady and like unrealistic this hospital and these doctors were anyway, but then you realize it's also because they are a fake, but like, cause I mean, I'm sitting there thinking too, like, when after he has his surgery or whatever and she's just talking to him normal like he didn't just have brain surgery you know what i mean she's just like how are you feeling like would he even remember who you are or who he is like you're just acting like you guys are in the middle of a conversation when you walk back in this room and i was like what there's no way there's absolutely no way but even if you are obviously i mean it was a setup and it was fake but I'm like, even if you're pretending to be a doctor, that's something that you should pretend like you're going to like be concerned if they even remember you. You know what I mean? And on his end, too, I'm not going to lie. He should have he should have been like like that should have been sus to him. I don't know. Like, it's just weird. Well, the thing is about brain surgery is that actually can be a thing just for the sheer fact that there are some types of brain surgery where they do need you fully awake the whole time. And talking the whole time they do it to make sure, like, because they hint at it in this movie, it's to make sure they don't get a part of the brain that they shouldn't be getting at. Mm-hmm. You know, that is something they can do with that. But I do agree with you, Heather, because then they, she could have at least gone the shh, shh, don't speak, save your strength. You, yeah. you just had brain surgery. Just, right. like, hey, calm down. Like, you know what I mean? Just anything like yeah. that, like, because even if you did just have brain surgery and it went fine and, you know, like I said, it's one of those ones where you talk the whole time, they're still not going to want to have a fucking nine hour conversation with you afterwards. Yeah. And you that's need the thing. fucking rest. Yeah, exactly. Because I'm like, <laughs> yeah, sure. That's that's a thing where, you know, they want you awake for it. But I still feel like even if they did have you awake for it, like just protocol would be to check and make sure everything is still you know, up to par after you're done and he's been asleep and rested. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like at least do the cursory. Hey, do you remember your name? Exactly. Like that shit. Do you remember me? You know, like that kind of thing. Yeah. Yes. I 100% agree with you. Like, yes, that all should have been a thing. But (laughs) do you remember why you're here even? Something like that. Do you, do you know where the fuck you're at? Like those basic things. Any of those questions. I'm like, Um, none of that. She was just like, Hey, Hey you. Well, how you feeling? (laughs) Yeah, it's like right what I said, like it wasn't a red flag that the guy that just had his throat operated yeah. on just wasn't even talking like he had a sore throat, like nothing. Yeah. His Especially- throat, like, like in John Kramer's eyes, this man's throat was just cut open and he's yeah. just got a bandaid and talking normal. Right. Yeah. I I've mean, had it's- coughing fits where I sound worse than that guy and he just had fucking throat surgery. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, especially for someone who is, you know, a cerebral person like John Kramer with, you know, being a civil engineer and an architect, like 
why would none of that catch him off guard? And you could make the argument that he was just so desperate to get rid of his disease that he he didn't care or, you know, what I mean, or he put it out of his mind for that reason. But I'm just kind of like, I don't know, especially if, you know, this is off the books, you know, not approved by anybody. I would be asking all the questions. I don't care. Like, even if I was desperate about it, like I'm like, yes, it could cure me if it works. But is it going to work or am I going to die anyway? Because this is all shady you know like i'd be well, asking all of the questions or or also at least you know maybe have your fake hospital fake better <laughs> right. come on like fake yeah. it better than yeah. um no and that's that you're you are absolutely right with that heather though is like that was that was very shady with all that stuff but now that i think about it that's probably why they said drug cocktail so much because they weren't medical <laughs> yeah. people it's the only thing they could think of yeah, yeah that's it, true it, it's just buzzwords Yes. You know, like, oh, yeah. we got a drug cocktail, like just cocktail in the drugs. We took some drugs, put them in an ice shaker, shook them up, cocktail. And honestly, even if they did say drug cocktail, I'd be like, okay, what drugs did you cocktail? <laughs> like, What's in here? What is this? Like, like ask more or, questions, you know? Or just anything when it's like, you've said drug cocktail 95 times in the last two minutes. Can you elaborate just any further than that? Right. Just any further. Can you just name a drug? Yeah, just a general drug even. <laughs> yeah. Like, right. Just yeah, say totally. Coke at this point, something. Just say a drug. Right. Yeah. It's, yeah. And, and also, like, thinking about it too, like, part of me is like, okay, this whole thing was fake. And then when you you see the reveal of the the main doctor lady when she's on the phone with whoever trying to set up a new appointment, She's just in her normal everyday clothes. But like when she's on the phone with John, why is she in her like hospital stuff? Like unless she had just done somebody else. But I'm like, why was she in like her gear when she's on the phone with him? If this is fake, like why did they do that? You know what I mean? But I don't know. Um, But I mean, also the fact, too, that like, you know, she's talking to him like a normal conversation and then she just shows him the chart. She's like, here, take a look. Everything's good. Like for one, dude just had brain surgery, right? Like, is he going to understand what this even is? And like, I've never, I could be wrong, but I've never seen a doctor not just be like, okay, I'm looking at your chart. This looks good. This is what this means. Let me talk to you about it. She's just like, yeah, everything looks good. Here you go. Check it out for yourself. Just do it. <laughs> like, well, th- th- it That is a very weird. good point because I've never had a doctor hand me my chart right. before. Yeah. Like, even if everything's <laughs> great, I've never just had them go, hey, look, look at it. It's great. It says it's great. Yeah. Like, what does it like it? That is a very good point. Like, yeah, that's just not even how doctors act. Like, and I get that. Just it's say also drug a cocktail movie. on here because that's the only yeah, thing like, you know how to say. And I like uh, that would be kind of funny. He looks at the chart and it says given one <laughs> drug cocktail. Oh, awesome. I got the cocktail. Right. There's just a little picture <laughs> of an actual cocktail on there to just say, you know, <laughs> It's an emoji. It's a cocktail emoji. Yeah. Like pretty much. And also, but like, that's the thing is like that if you really think about the whole procedure, and I get what you're saying, Heather, that it's the whole desperateness, but he like showed up, he was given the drug cocktail and then operated on like later that day. And it's like the drug cocktail didn't even have time to work. It didn't even have time to do anything to do it, like to yeah. to to lessen the brain tumor beforehand. They went not nah. right. 
right away to you now we go yeah i mean and like yeah and also like i mean john is such a methodical person that like it would it's just careless of him to not be more methodical in general about the thing that could possibly save his life or kill him right then and there faster so yeah it it was just a weird choice but uh, so i guess in that sense like i'm i guess i'm glad that i didn't know the plot of what the movie was beforehand because it made it more interesting for me to be like what's happening here (laughs) why is why are they doing it this way like it was just a funny like this is the most unrealistic hospital I've ever seen. And then you realize why, because it is. It's I guess the, real. That, that's a unique thing that I'm slightly jealous of. Cause you got to witness this movie going, huh? That's some weird shit. Why the fuck are they yeah. doing this like this? Like yeah. something seems really fishy guys. And then it's like, Oh, it was all fake. It's not even that it just didn't work. No, no, no. It was just all fake, right down to a videotape of brain surgery. I guess that's a weird, unique (laughs) thing you got to experience that you're like the 1% of people that went to watch this movie that just went, it's a Saw movie. I guess I'll go see it. I didn't even see the trailer for it. Like, because yeah, like I said, the trailer legitimately just tells you, Mm -hmm. hey, I'm John Kramer. I'm going to go get brain surgery. Oh, no, they faked it. I'm going to saw them. Like, that's literally the trailer. But they go (laughs) two minutes. Yeah, I mean, I... The only thing that I knew about this movie going in was that it was going to have Tobin Bell in it and that it was uh, a prequel in a sense to most of the others. That's the only things I knew about this movie. But so, yeah, I guess I think it's also because with Saw, I'm like, I don't really need to see. I know what this is about. Like, I don't need to see the trailer. I get it. Like, (laughs) you know, and then also the ruined risk you have of you know, it shows all the the creepy or scary or f- traps in the, the trailer. So you're not surprised by anything, you know, so either way. But yeah, so it was just kind of funny because I was like, I'm glad that it's on purpose a sus thing because it's supposed to be like that just kind of was a funny like in my head, like, oh, OK, that makes sense. But um, well, with all that, though, I, I think what you just said also kind of shows the different perspective you go into a Saw movie than me and Justin, because you're like, Oh, it might give away the traps. Like, cause you would just know in general what the traps are. Whereas like me and Justin, it's more like a, Hmm, how violent is this trap going to be? Like we're, we're, we're looking <laughs> yeah. for that other yeah. aspect of it where you're, you know, you, mm-hmm. you're not looking for that aspect of it. You don't even necessarily like that aspect of it. I just think it's funny that you just saying all that, even about the trailer, would show the different philosophies of going into this movie. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. I, Cause I never would have thought of it that way. Like how, how, how bad is this one going to be? Is this going to be the worst one? Like that's not my thought is just like, this is going to be some gross, terrible things happening. And I know that. So <laughs> I don't need to see the trailer for it beforehand. Yeah. But um, I don't know. It was, it was just funny. And like, I'm just like, they're not even trying to be believable at some point. You know I mean? Like, it just was very strange. And then they're like, I mean, didn't they let them leave the same day too? Or maybe the next day? I don't even know. Well, but. They, they, they prefaced it by saying he had the surgery, but to give him a place to relax, they put him in a hotel mm, instead of back okay. at the compound. Yeah. 
Right, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it was just, uh, it was just funny. And then I also think like another thing that bugged me too was um, after the girl, um, the bone marrow trap happens and she's just destroyed on the floor and they're trying to get to the phone, I think it was. And then why is the first instinct to just get this girl's intestines out as a rope? They didn't even try to use their clothes first or anything else. Like they were just like, no, this is what we need. We need to just take this girl's intestines out and just use that as a rope. Like it's just so it was just a weird choice. Like didn't even try the practical thing first. You're just straight for the intestines of this dead woman. Like it was just weird. But whoa, whoa, whoa. Are you saying your first instincts aren't to grab some intestines? Yeah, somehow that was not my first thought. No, no. Um, but I also I will say, though, I did I did like the idea of like with the the main doctor lady, like you knew at least I could tell that she was definitely going to be like the last one to have her game because he was the most pissed at her. But um I, I like the idea of it with her kind of also being this villain, like not even like the villain that in, in all of these other movies, they're just like, they, they're, they're like, okay, yeah, I want to be a better person or like, Oh, I'm sorry for this. And they like try to, you could tell that they're like desperate and whatever. She never seemed worried at all. Like she was very much a sociopath a hundred percent in this movie. Like she, she wasn't ever like shaken really by much of anything that happened. Um, but also, yes, yeah, so I, I think it was kind of cool though, that they kind of made her like, you don't scare me with all these things. Even though I just saw all the things that happened, you don't scare me. I'm going to make it out. Like just this real ego about her thinking that she was going to live anyway. And it didn't matter. I thought that was a really interesting dynamic to put in like against jigsaw, you know, I thought that was kind of cool. Um, but I will say, I do think that it was a bit unsatisfying what her, her death was. I mean, it, cause you don't really even see her die. You know what I mean? Like she's just kind of left there. And I was honestly expecting that she was going to get the most brutal trap because of how, like, this was kind of all her thing, you know? So I really thought because she was being safe for last and all these things, like I thought she was going to have the worst trap and she didn't like at all. So that was, that was a little bit unsatisfying um, because even in the movie, the entire time throughout it, I'm just like, she's terrible. Like what's her trap going to be? And then it's just that, and it's not even really worth it, you know? Yeah. It's but, just a gas room that she gets to stick her head out of. And then I guess just, stay there until she dies or she can just say fuck it and pull her head back in and die. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. So that was, that was, and especially as far, as far as like saw movies go that felt like, um, they kind of got lazy for that one because especially when you think of like endings of the saw movies and stuff like that, it's usually way more intense and gruesome than that but <laughs> or just yeah more like even if it is just like in the first one where he's just he gets the door closed on him and he's just trapped in there or whatever like it's usually just way more impressive i think than the one they did here um 
But although also and maybe I missed it too, like with the her boyfriend, the guy that was obviously also a scammer. Like, how did he know? How did he know to go there? I guess because I know like she was on the phone, but I don't think it was with him when she had her five seconds on the phone before they got her. Like, I'm just curious. Oh, was it? Oh, I don't know why I was thinking it was her dad that she was talking Mm. to. No, no, no. It was him. But I do agree, though, Heather, because like he rolled up with the plan of where's my money? Where's my money? Yeah. Oh, let me trick yeah. these guys into saving. Like he had a full fledged plan that she yeah. was also in on. And at yeah. no point did they show that there was enough time to actually do that. Right. Because all she said was, oh, once I heard your voice in there, I knew I was going to be all right. It's like, but how did you know to go along with this just immaculate plan that he tried to go with like you oh, know yeah. he it, had yeah. an epic level plan of like oh i'm yeah. gonna act like i'm this guy and act like it was like he knew to act like it yeah. was fake mm-hmm. you yeah. know like that he was scammed, like how did he know, you know that what i mean yeah i do agree that that, that is that is a big loss point in this is that there was no way within the context of the movie he would have known to roll in and act like a a, a mad scammed person also. And, yeah. you know, especially because of that line you that she does say, Heather, that you brought up that, oh, once I hold your, heard your voice, I knew I was going to be okay. So she didn't even know if he was going to show up. Right. Exactly. But she yeah. knew he had yeah. a plan and just knew exactly what to say to go along with it. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, and also like her, her call was fairly short, if I remember right. I mean, did she know this is for sure John Kramer? Did she like, did she say like, hey, like I'm trapped here because of this? Like, how how did he know all of this information? Yeah, to know what to play to when he got there. You know, it was just kind of, yeah, that that part kind of fell short. But um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like uh, I do think it was interesting that um, the the cab driver, I think his name was Diego, Um, I do, I do like, but find it interesting that he lived, that he survived, you know, because like you, you don't really see what happens beyond him surviving. So I'm like, okay, are they going to try to play it as he's a, you know, he's one of his followers later or something like that? Or is it just a, he actually just learned his lesson and he never wants to do anything like that again. You know, (laughs) like I'm curious if they're going to do anything more with that or if it was just like, you know, we need someone to survive, I guess. Like, I feel like more people survived his traps in this one or would have if, you know, hadn't hadn't been for the lady killing the girl. But like you said, she would have died of the radiation anyway. So she I guess technically, you know, she she would have still died, but she at least um, got out of her trap. You know, she beat her trap. And I feel like more people beat their trap in this one than they do in most of the others. Um, that is fair. He has less than a 50%. Yeah. Death rate in this because mm-hmm. Diego survives. Um, the girl that cuts her thigh dies. The brain surgery guy dies. Um, but like you said, that one girl would quote unquote would have Gabriella. lived. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So that's two live two live and two die. And then the boyfriend died. But technically, the doctor lived. Yeah. 
She she so won 50, the game 50. based on what the game was, yes. I guess. But yeah, she did beat the game, but was going to die because he just wasn't going to release her at that point. Right. But yeah, it was 50 50 in this 50 pr- people succeeded yeah. and 50 people failed. Yeah. Which I guess would be the highest in a Saw movie. Yeah. Because I feel like the especially in the first one, they really talk about like how, I mean, Amanda was the only one that really kind of survived anything that he did before. But again, this was right after the first one, technically. So, well, a lot of people have survived. You you find out in the, the seventh movie, multiple people have survived that you haven't even seen in the movies, yeah. too. Yeah. Okay. I forgot about that. But yeah, either way, you just feel like as yeah, it, it feels like I was surprised, I guess, by how many people actually survived their traps in this one. But um, and yeah, just to kind of go back to the I think her name was Valentina, the one who had to do the bone marrow thing. I I 100% agree with you on that, Sterling, because I was kind of I was mad about that. I was like, you had given her if you had given her five minutes instead of three, she would have been fine. Like, it's not that she didn't have the will to live to do it because she was like, OK, she was hesitant because she's like, I don't want to do it. But then she's like, all right, I got to do it. And she did. She had the will to survive, but also like she's never used a, a thing to saw her leg before. She do not know how that works. Like you're only giving her three minutes and you're saying just because she might not know how that works or gets, maybe she's not strong enough to kind of get it when she needs to, you're going to fault her for that with this game. Like that doesn't make sense. And then I'm also like, all of these people do not have a correct reaction to anything happening because I mean, especially the stuff that they have to do themselves. Cause I'm like, I would have been passed out or throwing up or anything of that sort. If you had me doing any of those things, like they were just like steady hand, like just, and, and maybe it's the adrenaline of, I just have to do this, but I'm sorry. I think I would have like with all the blood loss, I would have passed out. I probably would have just bled out anyway. And I definitely would have been throwing up at just all of the stuff happening. So I just think it's funny that nobody did that in this movie. Well, it's also that funny thing with the saw is that, like some people get like eight hours to complete a task. Yeah. Some people get two Three minutes. minutes, you know, like yeah. it's it is wildly inconsistent with like where they do that, you know, and it's like, where does that, you know, that's always an arbitrary thing and all this other stuff. I mean, I was thinking about some of the traps in this movie there are times when I would just like, like when he's like, oh, radiation does bad things to the body. I'm going to start radiating you as much <laughs> as it would have hurt. You just sit there and take it because you're going to die anyway. Radiation mm. poisoning is also an agonizing death. So you would have also yeah. been in immense agony, you know, for like two more days. Right. You know, yeah. so just sit there and take it like or that, that guy that's like, oh. Uh, if you don't cut your brain off, I'm going to crush your head. You're going to die instantly. All right, just fucking crush my head then. I'm not going to sit there and try to risk brain surgery on some off chance that I succeed. Yeah. And I live, but also maybe I can't ever fucking walk again because I fucking cut my brain up. Right. Like, yeah, just, you know, or also the same with the whole like, oh, cut off your thigh to do all this shit. It's like, I'm probably going to die from this anyway. Just exactly cut my yeah. head off at this point like yeah there are certain like, tra- like some of them i get because i i see the point of where you might be able to live or whatever afterwards and have some sort of quality of life or anything like that 
And then some of them I'm like, yeah, okay, you, you survive, but you yeah. know, you don't ha- you, you you don't have hands. You're in just immense amounts of medical debt because you had right. to get all this repair. You have all this physical therapy. You can't actually do anything. Where is your new lease on life? Exactly. You've got 10 years of physical therapy and all this other shit. Where is your new lease on life? Right. Your quality of life isn't even there anymore. So if the whole point is, I want you to appreciate the life you have, it's like you took away any actual life that they would have if they did survive, you know, like, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know, but I mean, appreciate your life. Cut off your arm. Yeah. Yeah. And And it all goes back (laughs) to kind of what I was saying with the whole that's why he's a walking contradiction. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's just really any trap that you talk about fits kind of those scenarios where people could possibly. And the thing is, is that with some of these traps, maybe if the I'll call them contestants (laughs) had, you know, started to solve their trap right away, maybe they do survive, but kind of to what y'all were saying, you know, some people got close and didn't and whatever. Well, that's because, you know, the first 30 seconds or sometimes the first minute, they're just stressed out, scared, yelling, screaming, going, what the hell am I in? What is going on? The adrenaline's going. And they're just like doing what most humans would do, just reacting and scared and begging for their lives and saying, please don't let me do this and stuff like that. So I think that has to be said, too. Maybe if they had just started, accepted it and went, oh, shit, I got to do this. All right, let me start cutting my leg (laughs) or, oh, shit, I got to do this. I better start on this brain surgery. But the truth is, that's not how anybody reacts. You're going to be, oh, God, oh, God. And you have to process what is happening, happening, that you're in this trap and all of that kind of stuff timer goes and then by the time you right. start doing it everybody's yelling at you do it do yeah, it yeah lo- lo- you know lobotomize yourself you know what i mean so like i think that that has to be said too it's like it's not even just oh he should have gave the person more time it's just regardless of time this person has to process that i am in a trap right. all this crazy shit is happening oh my god what am i gonna do Please, sir, don't do this to me. You know, they're doing the things that just a person would naturally do. And so, of course, you're going to run out of time. Of course, you may not, you know, solve it. Yeah, especially, too, because he I mean, he knocks him out or he there. They wake up there like they got to wake up. They got to figure out where the hell am I? What is even happening? You know, and then it's like immediately like they push it and it's like all right, you got three minutes starting now because this is when you push the button. And it's like, I'm still trying to figure out where the hell I am. Like, what is this? Like, yeah, so you're right. That's a good point. I didn't really think about that. But I mean, and like, and one other thing too that just kind of bugged me was the the guy from his support group that set him up in the first place, you know, coming to, and he had like the fake scar or whatever. I'm like, how did he even know that like John was going to be there or ask him about that? Like, is he just walking around like expecting anybody to just ask him about it so he could set him up? No, the logic would have been through the group. He would have known to target John mm-hmm. and then would have intentionally gone to John. And then knowing that John would have been like, Oh, what'd you have to do? And then show the scar. You know what I mean? 
It was a play. Okay. Like, oh yeah, because I mean, yeah, that's fair. Okay, that's fair to say. Because like, I was just like, what guy, are the chances of that? You go to the groups to. You have a guy go to the groups to find your next find the mark. people. Find yeah. the guy that's rich mm-hmm. and desperate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, that's the rich, desperate guy. Now we're going to put a fake scar on you, and now you're going to go talk to him. Yeah. Like, follow him, guess, figure out where he's going to be. Yeah, he, either. It became a plant where he was targeting John. Yeah, so he could either have, like, followed him or maybe just getting to know him in the group, knowing, like, where he goes or something. That's fair. Okay, but I was just kind of like, I mean, what if he didn't, what if he wasn't there? You know, or like, what if it's just really contingent on like all of this going with off without a hitch and like just, but it worked, whatever. But yeah, it was just kind of like, I, I kind of wish I would have gotten a little bit more backstory on like why he got involved with this. Cause they don't really talk about how he got involved, but Money. I mean, sure. But I don't know. Either way. Um, I feel well, like it would have been funny to me if they if he was following him and then he realized John Kramer was Jigsaw. He's like, oh shit, no, no, abort, abort now. <laughs> I'm out. We're I'm following out. this guy. He's Jigsaw. Let's get the fuck out of here. <laughs> right, and the fact that none of them, like, because she even said, like, when I figured out who you were, the great Jigsaw or whatever, and I'm just like, I don't like maybe her with her weird sociopathic self was like fine with continuing, but if any of the other of them knew, I'm like. How were you not immediately like, this is going to go bad for us if he finds out? Well, no, no, no. She realized he was Jigsaw once she was in the trap, like, or in the room. That's when she realized he was Jigsaw. Oh, I thought she yeah. was yeah. saying that there's something mm-hmm. when he was on the table, when they were doing their fake surgery, something then is when she figured it out. That's what I was thinking. She said, no, no, no. She figured it out when they were in the trap. Mm-hmm. Okay. That oh. he was Jigsaw. Oh, okay. I thought I, I must have misunderstood what happened there. Cause I thought, yeah, there was something. And it's also because she said something about like how she's like, there was something different and different about you, John, when we saw your whatever. And it could have just been her still playing up the fake thing, but I don't know. I just thought that she was saying it was during that time that they noticed who he was or that she noticed who he was at least. No, no. She realized he was Jigsaw, but then that's also implying that the whole world knows about Jigsaw. Yeah, that's true. So the yeah, whole world that, knows that Jigsaw's Jigsawing around New York. Right. But also due to the time frame of the movie and all this other stuff, I don't know if I buy that. But still, because yeah. there are people in later movies that don't even know who Jigsaw is when they're caught in the traps. That's but. true. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, and again, like I know I've just kind of talked about the the flaws that I saw with it, but it is because we kind of, you know, you guys already kind of went over the the things I would have about the things I liked about it. Obviously, Tobin Bell just being Tobin Bell in this movie or Jigsaw in this movie, he was just superb, you know, and that definitely is what makes this movie as good as it is. Um, But yeah, I mean, aside from all of those flaws that we talked about, I do think, yeah, of the, of the saw movies, you could, it's, it's up there as one of the better ones for sure. You guys got any more thoughts about this saw Roman numeral 10? (laughs) I do not. Nope. 
On that note, thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Cinema Slayers Podcast. Check us out on the internet at www.cinemaslayers.com. Cinema Slayers Podcast on Facebook. Cinema underscore Slayers on uh, Instagram and threads. Cinema Slayers Pod on TikTok. At Cinema Slayers Pod on YouTube. Uh, give us a five-star rating and review. We'd really appreciate it. Really help us out. Tell your family. Tell your friends. Tell your friends' family. Tell your family's friends. And most of all, tell those dear sweet mothers. Because dear sweet mothers love... Tobin Bell. That's fair. Or jar demons. <laughs> That's true. I really thought you were going to be excited about my Tobin Bell answer. Because you were all about or Tobin jar Bell. Demons. I just want to make sure people remember there was two movies here. Oh, yes. Uh, yes. Shout out to Plug Migo and Mundo Cho for our theme song and logos respectively. Just remember here at the Simmons Slayers podcast, we were both pro-slut, pro-Sydney, and pro-naked. And you all out there are enough. I told you, Justin, remember, remember that energy earlier. I saw the look on your face. And as I was in these TikToks, these YouTube videos, and this podcast, just remember, according to Justin, Moon Knight is the best picture winner. The only thing that was missing was... I thought the jigsaw was going to say when he woke up after this, after the surgery, it's going to be like, man, I'm so hungry. And if she had Don't just handed know, him dude, a shut your fucking that would have made Shut your day. fucking mouth. We're not doing this. It is two o'clock in the goddamn morning. We're not fucking doing any of your goddamn Burger King fuck <laughs> shit tonight. Gave him a We're not doing that, Justin. They do not Okay, have what if she said, here's a Big Mac. Well, what if she said, here's a Big Mac, and he started eating it? And she walked away and he started eating it and he went, this is a damn whopper. And then that's what led to him realizing that it was all fake. That would have actually been kind of funny if he's like, wait a second, this is a whopper. And he's like, you need to learn how to respect life, but you didn't respect it when you served me this. <laughs> Therefore, you have to eat a Whopper. And she's like, no, I don't want to. <laughs> no, whatever he had that monologue and he was like, you, you know, you targeted dying people, which that was an excellent monologue. We yeah. didn't talk about that. Yeah. But if he had been like, you gave an innocent person a Whopper instead of a Big Mac, like that, that's what he could have done as he was setting up those traps. I just think that that'd be right a great there. saw trap of making somebody eat a Whopper, like a whole Whopper. They have to eat all the Whopper. That would oh be your God. nightmare, Sterling. So past that trap. Bullshit, Justin. You get to the last bite <laughs> and you'd eat it and just die. Nobody in the history of ever seen a whole Whopper. No, he would just be, he would be there and he would be just like, he would still be trying to convince Jigsaw that he, he did eat it. I'm like, no, 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 it's here. Yeah, yeah, it's good. I ate it. Like, just like he always convinces himself that he loves Burger King. <laughs> He's going to try to convince Jigsaw that he ate it and loved it still. I, I like that idea Dude. that the Whopper's literally just sitting on the table. Like, the wrappers open, the Whopper's just sitting there. And, <laughs> I ate it. It's so good. It's like, it was it. good. It was so good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I would be great for that trip. I would just wake up. Jigsaw, is it a Whopper challenge? You know? All right. (laughs) That is enough. We're not doing any more of this bullshit. Fuck you, Justin. I am out of here.